welcome to the heavy hole my name is tom i'm big will aka uncle buck i'm justin <laughs> what's up yeah. justin you all right everything good over there yeah we're all right Chill? back okay. hurts back is hurt okay well that's good because i brought along somebody who can uh withstand some of the extra labor tonight so we could all take a little break man i got a special guest in the house tonight we brought along back on the show uh, for the second time, the Staten Island Don of Doom himself, none oh. other than my old friend Rick Habib of Gray Skies Fallen, also of Reeking Aura and Buckshot Facelift, full disclosure, bands that include yours, tr yours truly. Rick, how you doing? Oh, yeah. How's it going there, Will and gentlemen? How's everyone? Thanks for joining Great, me. Great, man. I'm, thanks I'm for asking. Great. Good. Thanks for having me, man. Hell yeah. Heck yeah. Look forward to getting down and dirty. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to get sludgy and doomy and gritty because tonight we're doing our uh, deep dive in the subgenre marine. Um, and who, uh, you know, we, we wanted to go doom metal. We're going to get to it. There was a special Patreon supporter uh, who inspired this a little bit. Um, we'll get shout to all Cody. that. But yeah, shout out to Cody. Uh, uh, and who better than to bring along for the ride than our kind of uh, guest expert uh, in the house, not to put you on the hot seat, Rick, but we wanted to bring you along. Expert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we talk about doom metal. Um, and of course, uh, so like I was going to say, the listeners can always go back if you're interested in a more encyclopedic breakdown of doom metal um, to our, our episode with Rick. V very early on in the podcast history, we did our first episode with the Staten Island Don of Doom, <laughs> doom metal history. And I think that's what we titled it. Uh, sit down exactly, with the Staten yeah, Island Don of Doom. Yeah, it was one of our first episodes. Uh, way before the pandemic and all this nonsense and um, also uh, we have interviewed in the past people can go back and check out our interview with Ryan Lipinski of Unearthly Trance who's also awesome, in Reeking awesome. Aura with Rick and I uh, yeah. Ethan McCarthy of Primitive Man so we have we have lent a little bit of coverage to the more sludgy and slower doom bands um, of the world uh, but tonight we're going to go on kind of like a, 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 a cold hot take, whatever you want to call it, uh, for, for Justin, Tom, and I of a few of the bigger names and a few of the names we might know. And uh, Rick is going to kind of like mediate and referee. We got a guest ref in the house tonight to make sure <laughs> to make sure there's no foreign objects and nothing gets underhanded. Yeah, um, I'm going to be like Dangerous Danny Davis in uh, WWF in 1987. Does anyone remember that guy? That no yeah, one remembers that guy. Right? Put it in the that's comment section if you do. Uh, that's why yeah. we brought, but that's why Rick's here, right there. That's why we brought him yeah. along. Um, oh, yeah. uh, so, but but first of all, let, let's let's ease back a little bit. Let's not put it into gear for uh, uh, that quick. I want to know one thing, and it's something that we don't. Another, you know, we don't we don't cover doom metal a lot on the show, um, mm -hmm. and it's not because it's not a great genre. We're just so focused on other things. Another thing we don't cover often on this show, Justin. How was your weekend? <laughs> Oh, thanks, Will. Uh, it was pretty nice, man. Uh, very relaxing. Uh, you know, enjoyed the snow on Monday into uh, True. Sunday into Monday, and uh, didn't enjoy the cleanup too much. But you know, we're doing good. We're we're, uh, we're holding strong. Hands made of diamonds, and uh, sending out those dangerous thing tapes this week. I'm very excited about that. True. Yeah, the the tapes uh, that come in the like handmade wooden coffin cassette boxes. That's right. Yeah, we got uh, we got about a handful of those going out, and then the ones that just come in, you know, bubble wrapped envelopes. Those are going out too. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, yeah. I just want to just want to yeah. plug that a little bit. People could just uh, now. Dangerous thing has its own Instagram. Yeah, check I it noticed. out at uh, at the dangerous thing. Yeah. Aside from Heavy Hole Podcast, you're out That's there right. gramming it up. That's great, man. 
Yeah, we're um, digging things. We're, we're sending you dirt in the mail. It's going to be fun. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, thanks for that, Will. Uh, you know, it's so nice of you to ask for my weekend, but uh, right now I just kind of want to know, like, what Tom did. Uh, Tom, like, how was your weekend, bud? You guys. Same thing, really. We're, we're, we're pretty close to each other, uh, our, our living situation. So, also, the same snow that you got. <laughs> I you got that, too? I got that, too. No uh, also, holding strong diamond hands. Amazing. Um, what else did I do? Oh, so, fun thing. Uh, I'm working on one of the next releases that we're going to put out on Heavy Hole Records. And I started mm. um, working on the album art. And I really like the album art, the way it's coming out. So, I decided that I was like... I had this four-song EP thing. Maybe this needs more songs. Maybe maybe I'm inspired by the album art. So I've started writing wow. more songs. So I'm just, uh, you know, maybe shooting for like the six or seven song kind of release. But just based on the, being inspired by my own artwork, which is the most self-indulgent thing I could possibly wow. think of. Uh, but it's yeah, cool. Dude. I'm, I'm excited off. to share. Escape. Yeah, I'm very excited so, to share. So you recorded music and then made artwork for it, and then you were so into the artwork that you, it made you record more music. Yes, for the yeah, same release. I, I, I love that. That is, you're so arrogant, you must be a beautiful artist. Yeah. This is the kind of this is the kind of freedom we give our artists at uh, Heavy Hole Records. Over here, yeah, so. yeah, do what you want. He ran, he ran the idea by me. I said, I said three more <laughs> songs with artwork like that, you better go for it, tough guy. I signed well, off, I, I cut the check right there on the spot. Well, I appreciate the clearance, you know. As one of the yeah. heavy hole recording artists, I am honored to be on the label. Well, what about you, man? We're happy Just to have lock time. up the studio and change the waste wastebasket on your way out. Uh, thank you very much, sir. Uh, I, I enjoy those 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 three extra songs. It, it filled out the artwork too. It's great. Um, uh, I'm I'm doing great things. Uh, I'm shoveling snow um, consistently. Uh, yesterday afternoon into last night. I was thinking about you, Justin. I had the four-wheel drive on probably for the most. I've, I've used it since I've owned that Jeep. This was quite a snowstorm we've had. I'm swollen with Brad. Yeah, yeah. I, and, I, and remember I told you I got those brand new tires. I That's got those right. in the nick of time over here, man. I, I mean, I was cruising. I was cut through. Literally, I was I was going across Park Avenue. I was on Pulaski. I, had, I signed up. Little did I know it was going to be a huge blizzard yesterday and today. Uh, I should have checked the old farmer's almanac. Uh, people know what that is because because yeah, uh, they'll tell you what the weather's like to the day ahead of time. But I, I signed up for an overtime shift at my job last week on Monday. Just thinking I was going in for a regular little shift on Monday. No big deal. Mm-hmm. I ended up, I woke up early. I, I got out there, man. I did my thing, man. I made, I made sure nobody had to stay late waiting for me to show up. And um, and then 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 coming home by 5 p.m. still, it was coming down. The, the roads were treacherous. It was crazy, man. So I was... I was glad I was listening to a drama lick, uh, the fall, the whole nice. time. Um, yeah, really on extreme uh, records released the uh, the, the, co- the compilation. Uh, the the was it recovery of the fallen? It was a compilation of a drama lick material. We referenced that in, in our episode with Seppo a while back. Um, and you know, uh, so I talked about the episodes people could listen to. The you know Ry- uh, Ryan from Earth Unearthly Trance, uh, Ethan from primitive man our first episode with rick but rick we got you back now um uh because we wanted to do a little dive into doom metal and as people if you've been listening to the show you know we don't cover doom metal a lot like i said it's not my like particular niche genre that i'm always following although i enjoy a lot of it i think maybe tom and justin you guys maybe we're on the same page with that where we're not the most experienced doom metal heads but we can appreciate a good doom metal cut 
Would you guys at least agree agree that we can all say that? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so you know, we wanted to kind of guide you, th- and and, and um, uh, at that point, I'm gonna leave it to Tom because I think Tom, you have a few words to to say to kind of gu- uh, ease us in to to, right. this, to the sludge and and grime tonight. Do me a favor, uh, Rick. Stop me if no. I sound too much mm-hmm. of you know smooth in the brain here. Got right. you. Got it. Well done, man. Slap him around. Yeah. <laughs> Doom metal. Merriam-Webster tells us that doom is a state or an end that seemingly has been decided beforehand. This would not seem to be the case in many of the endings of these uh, doom songs in general, as they do seem to be rather long. Now, when they end, you have a diamond-cut doom hand or are you a grindcore paper boy? This is a question you have to know because I found myself to be a, a grindcore paper boy for most of my metal listening experience. Um, through this week of listening to some of these bands that I have ignored, I have really enjoyed what I've heard. Uh, doom is a pretty loaded word. I think we can all agree on that. It's a loaded genre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, lot. Could, a lot of different, uh, a lot of different pathways from you know. From Doom, uh, there's a lot of different uh, subgenres in that one genre. It's kind of crazy when you think about it, but uh, you know, this, the Doom Metal umbrella um, started, you know, starts back in the early '70s and is evolved into a lot of different things today. So yeah. it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. For sure. I mean, I I think it's kind of interesting in a way that Doom is, like, retrospectively speaking, Doom is the first type of heavy metal. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it kind of yeah. like had to speed up, but like you know, even you guys, even not even non-Sabbath bands from the you know Blue Cheer and uh, Iron Butterfly and, and bands like this, they were they slower kind of you know more plotting kind of sound. Right back then, I think I think it's fair to say like Black Sabbath is like people accept that as the first doom band because it's also yeah. like the first heavy metal band. I could be it's wrong about much, that. Yeah. I mean, let's all say yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I know the counter argument. So I mean, 1970, right, was the first album. So I mean, that's you know, that's as early. I mean, Zeppelin. I mean, you, you can, people were calling Zeppelin heavy metal back then, right? Uh, for a little while, I guess that's debatable. They're not, but uh, well, you, you know, know here's, they, quickly they had big time uh, comparisons to Sabbath in certain ways. I, I don't want to get into the whole Led Zeppelin versus Black Sabbath de- debate right now um, uh, and go on a tangent, but uh, I had a thought the other day that, I, that this is kind of relevant to, is all my years of going to thrift stores and flea markets and kind of pl- you know places where you go to the record bins and get the cheap used records and stuff like that, I was able to complete an entire collection of Led Zeppelin albums pretty much That's from great. dollar bins and thrift stores. Um, uh, same, uh, same thing with, um, uh, Kansas. Yes. Uh, if I was into the Rolling Stones, I probably could have done that. Van Halen, even Black Sabbath, extremely hard to come by in those thrift stores and record bins. Uh, I got one copy, a beat up old copy of Master Reality. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, My, my Sabbath vinyl, my, I lost my vinyl collection in 2012. Hurricane Sandy. Mm. Wiped that shit out. So I got one Sabbath album now. That's it. It's a Sabbath Bloody Sabbath in pretty shitty condition. The cover, everything, the package is in shitty condition. The, the record sounds good still. 
but yeah, record prices have gone crazy now. So. Uh, yeah, well, I, I'm just thinking you know. to myself, if you, if you were trying to make like a metric for, for metal in terms of vinyl, metal vinyl is always hard to come by because it's always, people always kind of know that that sells and whatever like that. So you, I've noticed you rarely find it in those buyout collections that right. you find at the thrift store and at these type of places I go to a lot. Right. But so I'm, maybe it's the distribution, maybe it's something else. But I'm just thinking like maybe, you know, in that sense, Black Sabbath is a little more cult than Led Zeppelin. Maybe it was just the distribution and how big the bands were too. I don't know. True. Sabbath was on a pretty big label. So, you know. Uh, right. I mean, Sabbath was know. distributed if, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe metalheads in general are collectors. I, I've noticed, you know, so maybe people don't get rid of their shit. As much yeah, as yeah, I'm just thinking that maybe those yeah. those Black Sabbath records, for whatever reason, they're you know they 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 don't get through the net as much when you're looking at those. Cool. You know. yeah, yeah. But yeah. um, but not to derail the conversation though, just because that came up, man. So, um, uh, Tom, did you have anything more um uh, yeah, about just, the history? You like, wanted to, you wanted to get into that? Something I, I wanted to just like throw out there about the Black Sabbath thing is that um, like their approach to songwriting. Yeah, there might have been other bands doing that, like the Iron Butterfly making those, making that really thick, gross sound. But they love Iron Butterfly. Love and, we got. We'll, we'll talk about them another time. My bad. And, my bad. And yeah, they were still in the psychedelic rock scene, but Black Sabbath yeah. also had that overlap as well, where um, they took like these blues inspired. Blues. Yeah, yeah, blues inspired. Slowed everything down and heavy. Right. Yeah. These really dark riffs, slow. They brought like this space-bound consciousness of the masses back to the graveyard, willing to take part in a staring match with their own mortality, if you would. Um, that was kind of new for the time. And the fact that horror movies were all the rage in the 60s and 70s definitely helped their timing with this. So just throwing that out there, all these lurching tricks that Black Sabbath is known for, it's still really commonplace in Doom. Uh, even the vocals, like, you know, um, mo most forms of metal kind of left that clean vocal style, but Doom is still there. So. That's true. And a lot of modern Doom bands are heavily Sabbath influenced. Um, and they don't, you know, try to hide it, you know? There's like that whole, that whole stoner uh, Doom subgenre. Very uh, Sabbath influenced, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, the whole the whole scene is is because of Sabbath. It's great. Yeah, it's exactly that. Well, so like besides Sabbath, you got bands like Pentagram, Witchfinder General, The Obsessed, Candlemass. Uh, these kind of like brought some of um, brought this like wave of yeah. melodic um, like, like heavy metal to to a, a, an audience, a, an audience that was aging and making their own forms of metal. So the shit just lived on. So. What, I, what I'd like to do now is refer to Cody, who gave us this idea. Cody from the Patreon. I'm going to play his voicemail real quick. Hey, what's up, guys? Cody here. So I posed the question to you about your, uh, you know, like your deep dives into the subgenre marine about where do bands like Paul Bearer and Chemist fit in? And this is kind of something I had thought about because, you know, I hear a lot of influences when I listen to them, like um, some, like, maybe progressive kind of Opeth influences, but also a lot of fuzz rock and, and doom influences on them. Um, quite honestly, I think it was about four, four years ago. I saw Paul Bear at Celia Hall in Chicago with neurosis. And, um, 
straight up, I was not a fan. I, I didn't really like them. I didn't hear much of them. Um, and then a year later, I started working from home. So I've been working from home for about five years and listening to music all day. And that's when I realized I couldn't listen to Brutal Bethel all day long for eight hours and stay focused. Um, so then eventually, full circle, I came back and around to bands like Paul Bear and Chemist um, and what I call like a coffee house metal. Um, it's a far more amicable sound to the masses. Um, but still has all those things about metal that I love. And uh, I own the full vinyl discography of both bands now. So um, they've become a big part of what I listen to. And um, and a weird, I guess, tie that I've kind of picked up with Paul Bear recently is um, Lane and Allison Chains. I hear a lot of similarities in, in some of the tones of their music and the lyrics and uh, the singing. So... Those are two bands that I I really like, and I really like Paul Bear and Chemist as well. But I do think they, you know, if I try to think of a lot of bands like them in the metal world, I struggle. And maybe you guys will have a lot more bands that fit into that. Um, and I'm excited to hear what you guys say. Thanks for uh, your continued work with the podcast. Great. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you, Cody. I appreciate that. And that's just to show you too that we're doing this episode. Uh, we have gotten more requests for more deep dives in the subgenre marine like we have done in the past. You can go back and check out uh, ones we did on Gore Grind and other stuff, uh, electronic music, um, stuff like that. But um, uh, tonight we're doing one that is basically based off of Cody's voicemail uh, and the idea that we don't cover a lot of doom metal on the podcast like I explained before, not because we have uh, any amount of disrespect or... or um, uh, you know, have any have anything bad to say about doom metal, or we don't like doom metal? I could listen to. I have the odd doom metal record that I'm actually going to show you um, a little bit later. But we decided to give some coverage to some of the bigger doom metal names. Um, Tom, Justin, and I we all sampled some doom metal albums uh, that that maybe are, are kind of a little bit more spoken about lately in the last few years. And um, I brought some stuff to the table. I want to talk about a little bit later some more obscure stuff that kind of. Uh, veered out of the gore grind and noise core scene and, and was it is maybe doom and sludge adjacent um and obviously we brought rick along because rick is uh you know all kidding aside um rick has just been a lot more into doom metal and followed doom metal for longer than i have and much more than i have and in conversation with him i thought he could add a lot to this to this uh uh doom metal episode so um with that being said uh, Tom, do you want to um, uh, take it up about uh, some of the bands that you, you checked out over the last week? Yeah, let's uh, let's just talk some shop about uh, Paul Bearer. Let's start there. Yeah, that, that that's a good point because Cody um, talked about them a lot. And something that he said really rang true to me. I, I chose because I listened to a lot of stuff. I revisited some old stuff I knew when I checked out the new stuff we talked about. I checked out Paul Bearer's Forgotten Days 2020 album, their most recent album. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and in terms of what Cody said, that Alice in Chains kind of uh, vibe, I, I did pick up on that a lot. It's very subtle. It's not overt, but there's just something there. Um, and, and really cool band. And, you know, we talk about the, uh, the doom metal bands using clean vocals. And I think that's why maybe it doesn't get grouped in with extreme music like we talk about so much as the clean vocals. Um, but what a great album! What a what a great band! And another thing that occurred to me with this is that 
I, I gotta be careful how I word this because I don't want to sound like I'm I'm like uh, I'm saying I'm like I I would I don't want to listen to this or this type of music when I'm in a metal mood because for me metal is fast it's dynamic it's, it's technical death metal or it's grindy or whatever it is when I listen to something like this this is more for when I'm in that rock vibe like when I would listen to Led Zeppelin or you know my old classic rock records or what or whatever the case is man you know like 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 that was that Paul Bear album was really cool, and I'm glad yeah. I gave it a shot. Yeah, they're uh, they're really good. Um, those bands that it mentioned in the in the voicemail, uh, Chemist, Paul Bear. Um, I'm kind of embarrassed. I gotta gotta be honest here. I, I told Tom before we started that I never really heard Chemist uh, before today, and, and I was fucking blown away by that band. Uh, just uh, everything about them. The vocalist jumps out. Right away, and Paul Barrett too, good singer. But this dude in Chemist, man, uh, very impressive, and uh, they blew my mind really. So, and uh, then on a Paul Barrett too, uh, that gentleman that left the voicemail saw them around, I guess, a few years ago, like 2016. That's when I saw them at St. Vitus, and they were fucking great that night. So, um, you know, it's good to hear that perhaps in the beginning he didn't enjoy it that much. And then they grew on him, you know, basically when he uh, was least expecting it. Really good band. Uh, so those two bands right there. Uh, just the use of harmonies that they do and, and uh, mm -hmm. the sound. Uh, you know, if you listen to Old Doom, like like bands like St. Vitus band uh, like that, or, or uh, you know, the sound is, it's got that, that old school 70s sound, but today you got these modern, you know these modern sounding bands with these with these great layers upon layers and the vocals are just great and that's all i gotta say about those two bands uh, right now yeah. i checked out um the paul bear album heartless from yeah, 2017 and i i got like heavy pink floyd vibes from this band um sure like i kind of will i'll piggyback off you with like like this is what I, I want to listen to when I kind of when I want to hear some like rock, you know, or like more specifically like a classic rock kind of turned up a little bit, uh, especially with the vocal harmonies uh, and, and the instrumentation when they kind of you know go off into these leads and stuff like that. I got very like uh, Animals era Pink Floyd from it, um, it was, like mixed in with that Sabbath. So it, it, it's it the has best Floyd album. Yeah, sorry, I love it. My favorite, my favorite Floyd album. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, but yeah, it's got this like polished grip to it, you know, and it's uh, it's extremely right. well done and like it right. gets dreamy in a little way and like little, you know, Pink Floyd. I would I would say like not only for that classic rock that's like keeping it in that '70s kind of style, but uh, it, it has a, a lot of prog elements to it too. Um, Absolutely. You know, some of it even kind of reminded me of like you know bands like Tesseract or Dead Letter Circus. You know, some some prog rock kind of stuff from from Australia or whatever, but. Uh, Never, never listened to this band because I didn't have the time. You know, you get it's so like slowing down so much for this stuff. Like the, the, that's the thing that really put me off with with doom metal and kind of uh, pumping the brake, putting the e brake on. Really screeched to a halt this week and kind of checking these bands out. Um, well, it was good went, that we had this blizzard. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. I, I kind of went into something that I, I didn't really feel too enthusiastic about and kind of came out at the end with a, with a new appreciation. For that. Um, going for all the bands that we'll talk about tonight. So uh, this was a great starting off line. I kind of dig this band. Great. Well, that, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, yeah, generally what we're speaking about tonight is stuff that stays in one gear. Um, there's not a lot of di- the, the, the dynamics that they that they use are not in this the speeds and the and the and the rhythm changes generally speaking for a lot of this stuff it's slower moving material and that's the thing is I, in my mind I grew up a huge Black Sabbath fan and Led Zeppelin fan from when I was a kid but I always uh, that that to me is it's it's a it's more rock than it is metal I guess in my yeah. perception I don't know man you know we're talking all of this is, is kind of opinion tonight. Um, so that yeah, that's what I, I was getting at before. Like you know, I would probably, and that's also like I could see collecting this type of stuff on vinyl or, or whatever because you gotta really commit to this. You can't listen to a quick Bell Witch song on the no. drive to work. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm just well, I'm just saying like I, you know, I, right now in my like I was telling you guys before in my CD player uh, in the Jeep. I got the Adramalek discography, and you know I, I work about 15 minutes away, so I, I can listen to two or three Adramalek songs on the way to work. You know, Bell, which you got, that would be something I have to like, like I did today. Be sitting at home, nothing going on. You put the album on, and you you listen to it almost the way you would watch a movie. You know, of course, that's yeah. how it's. 15 minutes is a Bell Witch intro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're not even fully immersed at, at that yeah. point. You're like you, your toes are still just dipping in the water 15 minutes in, but. But yeah, not to not to skip ahead to Bellwitch, Tom. You want you have any thoughts on Paul Bear? Just my honest experience. Um, also, I hadn't listened to this band. Um, I put on the latest one, The Forgotten Days, twenty twenty one. I put that on, and I I honestly didn't like it that much. I wasn't hmm. into it, but I was like, I'm listening to this this stuff. I have to make like a decision or an opinion rather. So I went back to the first one, Sorrow and Extinction, and immediately that one hit home for me. And once I got into that mindset, I started just going down the discography again. And then upon revisiting Forgotten Days and being in that mindset, it all made sense. And I was That's in. very cool. That's a cool evolution there because uh, you could hear the difference in sound between those first couple albums and the new one. Yeah. You can hear it right away if you go and listen to the new one and then go back. Uh, so it's, a, it's kind of a... Those dudes have changed their sound, not 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 the way they write music, but just sonically. Yes. On record, uh, so maybe perhaps listening back to the older stuff jumped out at you more, and then by the time you get to the new record, it, it all, like you said, it all makes sense. Yeah, I think like that A being and like skipping around. Yeah. This is pretty much like I, I'm exclusively listening to Doom all this week to get in this mindset and make up for the fact that I really haven't. I don't know. I don't know what's up. I'm trying to get informed, uh, but yeah, I I dig Paul Bearer. Um, I I would like to see the live show, mostly because of uh, a lot of these bands. I would like to see the live show. I want to see how it comes across. I feel like like it, it, it's got to be hypnotic to a degree. You know, as much as I want to go see King Parrot and I want to go see Municipal Waste, I also don't want to be sweat on all the time. Like, <laughs> I want to like be in a sonic experience. Like the closest thing I can relate this to is that when I saw Nick Cave and and like he did some like obviously it's not like doom metal, but he does like sonic experience, like wall of sound things in his live show. So I would be really interested to see. I get why Paul Bearer sells out at St. Vitus like four nights in a row. I totally get it. So yeah, I mean I've seen great doom shows over the years, man. Like. Uh, My Dying Bride played one show in New York. That was in 97, May of 97. <clears throat> that was at Coney Island High. Uh, I don't know if you heard about that club. It was on St. Mark's Place in the, in, uh, in New York. 
fucking cr that place was great anyway they were my favorite band ever at the time and seeing that band you know live in a small place like you're saying the sonic experience was you know mind-blowing right and uh i was fucking uh i was concussed i got smashed in the head before <laughs> this before my dying ride played this band called bile they were like this industrial band I don't know if you heard these guys from the they 90s, were right? they were allegedly from Huntington or, or members were from or allegedly from Huntington. Yeah, yeah we, they, we they talked were, about this on the show once. They creep into the conversation every once in a while. Yeah, and uh, they they for some reason opened the show or actually it was a band called Divine Silence that opened the show. They were a local band and uh, the guitar player Chris Molinari. He's in Evoking now, and he also played in Grace Guys for a little while. We didn't record with him, but uh, yeah, so that band opened, then Bile came on, and I was standing in front because Bride is my favorite band in 1997, and there was a, a mosh pit, and uh, I got kicked in the head with steel toes, Ooh. and and then I was dizzy at that point. It's 100 degrees in there, and then the same kid is crowd surfing, and he cuts my forehead open with his uh, spiked wristband. So I'm already fucked up from the blow to the head. Then I'm bleeding all over. Last thing I remember is like, help, I was just uh, turned to uh, Chris Montalbano, who's our old bass player in Grace Guys Fallen. Said, dude, I'm going down. And that was, that was the last thing I remember, passing out face first in Coney Island High. Oh and then I heard the violin uh, being tuned for My Dying Bride. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm hazy and shit, and nothing was going to stop me from watching that. So I was standing there uh, covered in blood watching My Dying Bride. Wow. And that was like the top three show of my life. Top three show. Uh, best Doom show that I've ever seen, My Dying Fuck, Bride. Yeah. Uh. In, a small, in a small place. That's amazing, dude. That was great. Thanks for that. That's sick. Yeah, man, I went down twice. I remember, I, you know, I don't remember, like, falling, but, dude, it was crazy. And I'm a big boy, and I got, like, ten people trying to pick this carcass off the ground and shit. And I'm like, oh, shit, oh, you know, and then I heard the violin, and I was snapped me right out of it. It was crazy, huh. man. Amazing. And that was the vintage My Dying Bride lineup, the early lineup, the classic lineup. So... I'll take that. Well, Rick, just because this is the doom metal episode, say I've never heard My Dying Bride, I want to give it a shot. What's the go-to album? Well, my favorite metal record of all time is My Dying Bride's 1995 The Angel in the Dark River. So, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I've, I've heard it. It's Again, you know, I got, I got to go back and revisit some of this stuff. Maybe it's like Cody said. I feel like I could give some of this stuff another chance nowadays because it's not always something you appreciate when you're younger yeah. and you're in the blast beat mentality. Sure, man. Know? Absolutely. I can understand that. This is a band where you have to listen to from the beginning because that album right there is the first record where they had all clean vocals. And that was a big departure from the, the, first, uh, the first album, the first two albums. First record they did was a lot of death metal on there, if you listen to that. I got you. Forever that People, out. that's a fucking death metal song. Brutal death metal song. And I, I saw that live. Forget about it, man. Huh. Yeah. And then, you know, Turn Loose to Swans, one of the great albums of all time. And, and you know, I'm just gonna one of the great doom metal records of all time. Then the Angel in the Dark River. So that band uh, in the 90s out their output was top top shelf. It still is, man. Their new album is amazing. So that, that band really held up, even through well, all the lineup changes. They I, I mean, uh, the like speaking of them, I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, but the way we were experiencing this kind of like big metal 
uh, renaissance I always talk about right now. There's all these bands, all these styles. Is, is it say? I mean, there's because I know Paradise Lost has been back in the game. Their their last album was pretty sick. I listened to that, um, and I'm not even. I'm kind of a passive fan of them. I don't know all their material, but yeah. I, like, are there a lot of doom metal bands getting back in the game and putting out an album that's really good after a long time like that? Paradise Lost, you know, fucking their their early shit was, was defining the genre of the '90s doom death. Uh, by the mid '90s, they, they were kind of rocking out. Huh. You know, the the, the singer, um, you know, Nick, had this James Hetfield kind of thing going over this cool doom kind of stuff, and then it kind of evolved. But then they went Depeche mode, and that was for me. That was that was the end of uh, Paradise Lost for a while, and then they came back in 2007 um, with the with a very heavy record, and then since then, yeah, really really good shit. Um, but you know, a lot of the bands from back then changed immediately, almost like Anathema, who's you know the big three Peaceville bands. Uh, they had you know they changed after a couple records into more of a Pink Floydish kind of thing and did their own thing. And there's a lot of bands that didn't really come back to that to the Doom style after they changed, like Tiamat. If you guys ever heard of old Tiamat records, uh, yeah, yeah, like uh, the Astral Sleep. Even Clouds, even though it was a little more death metal, those guys Pink Floyd it out. And you had The Gathering. I don't know if you guys heard The Gathering. The, so many amazing bands from the early 90s. And, uh, yeah, we, we covered um, a lot of that, because I remember I sampled a lot of those albums and checked them out the last time we, we had you on the show. We talked a lot about that whole European movement of bands that kind of came out of the death and black metal scene. And like you said, Pink Floyd, Depeche Mode, it, it you know got weird after a while. But. It did. Like a lot of those bands, definitely, uh, you know, definitely ventured off. But if you listen to early materials from these bands, like the the first Gathering record, so heavy, and with the use of keyboards and stuff, that wasn't really done too much in 1993, 92. Uh, and and then you had um, their third album is where they brought in Annika, who's the greatest singer, and that. I was, I was standing in uh, Tower Records in Huntington in 1995, reading a, a metal magazine. And I'm sorry, I didn't know there was a new Gathering album out because the last album was really bad. Like the music was so fucking good. And I advise you guys to listen to the first four Gathering albums. Okay, mm. listen, everyone should listen to those albums. The second record, the music is amazing. The vocals are some of the worst shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's, you know, there's no way to cut cut around it. Like he sounds like really, really. It's like Mike Patton, who I like, but picture Mike Patton's highest, like kind of nasally uh, tone, but amplified ten times. And then too they brought, uh, like I said, too much. But it was really I'm bad. Right. The guy was really bad, and and uh, they rebounded and put out two of the greatest Doom records ever, and Mendelion. And also nighttime birds with the female front female vocals the greatest singer the greatest female singer in metal in my opinion the gathering and also amazing live we got to play with them in 2000 at milwaukee metal fest in their first u.s show that was great great band so many great bands man we can talk about all day nice. yeah um well uh, another another band that we talked about um in this conversation was was chemists and and that that's what that's what was interesting to me is like Rick, you mentioned that you actually were kind of new to them too. I mean, they're, <coughs> they're a fairly new band. This thing yeah. is like we're talking about doom metal, so like you know they they Five haven't been around that long, right? Uh, 
They're uh, 2012. They started. Yeah, and uh, I know they. And Paul Bearer, I believe, started the same year. Yeah, so this is kind of like a newer era of doom metal that's enjoying exactly. a lot of popularity. And I know Chemist kind of came to. They had their album in 2015 on 20 Bucks Spin label yeah. we talk about a lot and i checked out their 2016 follow-up hunted um and listened to that the other day and i really enjoyed it there was i found that it was like i don't always enjoy the sabbathy influence doom as much as i love black sabbath it's hard for me to listen to the sabbathy doom bands but i felt that chemists was able to kind of take shades of that and shades of more like death doom and and marry it in a way i liked now, like, Chemist has, we, before we started rolling, Rick, you were saying how, like, you really like this dude's voice in Chemist. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I got to admit, I'm not crazy about his clean vocal. I think it's almost mm-hmm. too good. Like, he's perfect sounding. <laughs> like, the Paul Bearer <laughs> guy, he's, it sounds more human. Yeah. Right. I'm not saying that the Chemist dude is auto-tuned, but he's, like, really spot on. And it's alarming to me. I'm, I, it, and this doesn't mean I didn't like it because I actually I did like this right off the bat, uh, and I like the rock and roll influence. But the death metal vocals that are put in really here sparingly are fan really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Chemist is good all around. I'm, I, I like the Paul Bear vocalists, but uh, a little better for the cleans. But this man, yeah. this band rips. Yeah, I was really impressed by them. Like I said, I'm really new to them. Uh, and I just, I guess they put out a covers EP too recently, and they did a Dio song, Rainbow in the Dark. Really good. Really good version yeah. of that shit, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I, I just wrote down like, like, like sick death metal vocals, uh, Sabbath Volume 4. You know, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. like really, really awesome. Uh, also, at, I, I really like the, uh, the folky. Uh, I went into. Um, Absolution, the twenty bucks spin record um, from twenty fifteen, <clears throat> and uh, I I really dig like the folk like at times the folky uh, vo- like vocal delivery, uh, almost like uh, Iron Maiden like storytelling without the speed. You know what I mean? Uh, very kind of uh, deliberate uh, tales to tell uh, in it, and I think you know a, a little bit of a theme throughout kind of Doom is I, I feel like a little folky storytelling um, that I found. Yeah. Out. Yeah, kind of fun. Yeah, awesome cover art on uh, uh, most of these releases we're talking about too, man. I was just about to say that, Will. <laughs> the these both these bands, Paul Bearer and Chemist, get like a ten out of ten on curating their artwork. Yeah, like, astonishing artwork. Like I, I didn't get a chance to look it up, but the Chemist is so like it's so concise. Mm-hmm. So like awesome ideas come to life with great color palettes and then the, the Paul Bear stuff like that newest one the Forgotten Days like Haunted. what a beautiful piece yeah it's uh, Sam Turner on the chemist uh, stuff it's pretty cool Sam Turner that that guy kicks ass like it really giving it a cool kind of like 70s um, fantasy uh, you, you know fantasy fiction type of vibe yeah it's like you the Frenzetta I mean? stuff but it's like cleaner cut more it's like designer Transetta. Really cool, man. Yeah, re- really catches the eye. I was, you know, a thought that I had, I I would say it for, for Chemist and Paul Bear, definitely while we're on this conversation, but um, Bellwitch, I, I, uh, I sampled, um, I wanted to talk about Bellwitch a little bit, but, I, you know, I was waiting to get into it. Uh, I listened to Mirror Reaper, their 2017 album, which is yeah, almost dude. an hour and a half long. Oh, that's the one track. That song? Yeah. That one song yeah, yeah, they did? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that one cut, which is what I'm saying. Again, that's that's a long commute to work just to listen to one song. But that um, would be my commute to work. Yeah, yeah. When I, when I, when I was commuting to work. But um, that that album cover for Mirror Reaper. If I was gonna awesome. like buy an album just based on the album art, like we, people talk about, like back in the day, you used to do that. This has a really sick album art. I'll just buy it. I don't know what anything about this. I would do that for Mirror Reaper if I if, if it was in front of me and I was in the mood to buy something. Yeah. Just for the yeah. art, man. That is an incredible piece. And that's that, that's that dude. Uh, I I I'm looking at to pronounce his name is like Maurice's Lewandowski. Uh, but he's mm-hmm. been showing up a lot um, for for metal records. He did the, the past two Fuming Mouth uh, covers. Yeah, um, yeah, beautiful work, shit, man. Just so yeah, so many, and it all has that that weird that, that like fast tightness kind of style to it. Um, or subject the, color, the, the the way he, the way he uses like bright colors and it still looks like a like a dark piece overall. There's just some. It's it's really yeah. great, man. Really the, cool stuff. Yeah, and the composition and depth he creates. That's like yeah, you know. I've seen a lot of really good artists that just don't create that depth that he pulls off. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, yeah, what a, what a amazing, awesome artist. Amazing art. And, you know, I think this came out in, on Profound Lore in 2017, as did Artificial Brain's Infrared Horizon album. And, you know, I, I remember um, when, when this album, this Bell Witch Mirror Reaper album came out, and I remember the promotion for it. And I would say the word for why I didn't, again, the reason I didn't check this album out when it came out and the reason why I'm not a huge doom head, it's, it's, I was, I think I would say I was intimidated by this. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, you got to really dedicate some time to this and be into it, man. You got, you know, you got to set aside some space in your head to this and want to listen to this, man. It's not just for a casual sampler. Um, you know, I would go back and, I, you know, if people reviewed this online, I'd have to wonder if they listened to the whole thing, man, in one shot, man, because you got you to sit down and try to do it. Um, and they actually, when they were touring in support of this album, um, they, Artificial Brain was, uh, I believe it was in the fall of 2017, we were supporting Full of Hell Revocation and Cattle Decapitation on a na- national tour. And sometimes, uh, um, something I miss about touring that's always fun is when you go to these, you could be in Wisconsin, you could be in Florida, Texas, wherever, whatever club you're playing, you look on the wall and you're going to see flyers of the other tours that are coming through and you might see, uh, you know, other metal bands, you know, punk bands, hip-hop acts even, you know what I mean? I've, I've taken uh, uh, posters off the wall just to take home, you know, of, of other artists just because it's cool because they're going to be in the same you know, loading uh, back room as you, and they're going to be in the same stage as you, whatever. And uh, Bell Witch was kind of, you know, crisscrossing the nation around the same, uh, you know, club. They were either playing a day ahead of us or a day after us on all, all these, you know, um, club dates. And it ended up, I think it was the Red Room in Arizona, which was a really cool club. They have two stages, and they'll have two shows going on at the same time. You know, they have places that have two different rooms, completely big, big, big venue. Yeah. And Bellwitch was playing in one room, and our tour was playing in the other. So we, I got, I got to kind of like crisscross back and forth and catch a little bit of Bellwitch. So I probably caught like little five-minute intervals, thinking it was like different songs, and it was all that one, that one song <laughs> they were playing. I, I guess, I, I guess, you know, I, I don't know, but um. Paper. Hey, let me ask, when yeah. they were touring, were they, because um, they're like officially a two-piece, right? Yeah. Yeah, no guitar, I, just bass and, uh, bass and drums. Yeah. You do a lot with a, 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 a solid bass player and, and some crazy pedals and stuff. I mean, there's so much, yeah. like, fuzz and, like, you know, one really cool thing about 
uh, Doom in general is that uh, the guitar players and bass players do not shy away from effects. Um, in death metal, you know, like you know, death metal is so conservative when it comes to like guitar pedals and other weird sounds. Uh, Doom seems really open to that, so it helps like create textures, which it needs for for slower parts, you know. I I honestly couldn't tell you because I I didn't know that much about them at that point, so I wasn't counting the, the members of the band, and I was like all the way in the back of a room. It was more a situation like. You know when you're at Vitus and it's packed out and you're more just looking at the at the back of the crowd and listening to the band? Right. You know, it was a, it was a packed room, so I, I, I couldn't speak accurately to that, whether it was two guys or, or you know, they had a, an extra guy playing something, man. Um, but I, I remember, you know, just kind of standing there and checking. The, and, and that's to speak to how popular they were, too. There was a lot of people there, man. Hell yeah. Um, let's see. Okay. That Did you guys listen to that? Um, I I heard that record, yeah. I heard that record one time through one listen. <laughs> well, you know, that's it's like yeah, a movie in that way, you know. It is something where you do have to invest. Yeah, it's a movie. You have to sit down. And, usually, in my case, I lay down on the bed after enjoying a, a little something, and then uh, listen to that for an hour and fifteen minutes. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. what you gotta do. Yeah, I I honestly did not get through that whole album. I. I, I just didn't honestly have the time. I was like, I, I have a show to talk about. I gotta get a bunch of bands in here, and no, no offense to Bellwitch, but that is a commitment. That is, that is going to stop me from reviewing other things I need to get on. Um, well, so that's yeah, a, I'm, that, I'm that's... pretty uninformed overall, but I am. I, I like the idea of having a duo that just makes it work, and I, I will check it out. Promise, promise to the audience. That's exactly what I was saying, man. Is like it's it's it was like a movie. It's a cinematic experience in a way. Um, it was like watching The Revenant or something, man. You gotta commit to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, There's loads of movies that if I see they're over like an uh, you know an hour forty minutes, I'm just like I'll wait till uh, a day, and then that's yeah. always a day later. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But uh, either way, I don't know. I, I got the Alfred Hitchcock brain when it comes to that shit. Like, he, he made all of his movies pretty short because he's like, I got to pee all the time. So <laughs> I'm not not trying to hold it in. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I, I listen to Bell Witch. I just don't know what else happened. Like, I don't know what I listened to. I know it was on, but I can't, like, and I, I have no information to tell. I just, uh, <laughs> I know that I, I, I wrote down in my notebook everybody I listened to, and that name is there, and it's good. Yeah, well, the, yeah, no one is doing <laughs> too, not like, it, not enough riffs for Justin. It's like one continuous riff slowed down. Yeah, I'm really like I'm 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 slammed on the brakes right. I got like a like a snowboard like like boot buckle on the brakes. Just <laughs> so, one band I know Tom did check out this week in preparation for our our, our uh, deep dive in the subgenre marine doom metal. Um, what do you think about Candlemas? Um, I'm glad you asked because I, I I've been kind of waiting to squeeze this in. Uh, <laughs> that band fucking rips. Oh yeah. That like I I never really I never did the deep dive at all. Um, I had seen some of their music videos. They're ridiculous. Like that that mirror for mirror mirror. Uh, yeah. Like Messiah marking with his hair. Yeah. Just like. It's a little over the top, so I never really like <laughs> soaked in it. But 
Another thing that made me want to listen to it was when we were, um, when we did the smoke sesh with Chris and Chris, and Chris Pervelis was like, you know, he loves Black Sabbath. Like, yeah. it's, it is his band. You know, that's the only thing he wants to listen to. But for some reason, he brought up Candlemas and said, fuck that band. And he was like, uh, uh, you know, no thanks. He's entitled to that opinion, but I was just like, I don't even know. Like, I, I couldn't. I couldn't argue with this man. I felt like... Well, wait a minute, Tom. You know when that also came up in our episode with Seppo from Demigod and Adromalik? He say, he was talking about uh, Turka Rantanen from Chaos Graphics, the artist. And he said, Turka was listening to all sorts of metal back then, except for Candlemas. He hated Candlemas. <laughs> He's missing it. Remember that? And we laughed. I do remember that. So Actually, oddly, yes. It was oddly specific. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I, I've seen more distaste for this band than I've actually experienced myself. <laughs> so I, I started checking it out, going through their discography a bit. I, I didn't make it very far I because I, I was playing a bunch. I was going at it. Um, hold on, let me pull up something here. So <laughs> I start with their, their first album, which apparently their singer on just kind of like he was a fill-in. He wasn't even in the band, but this dude uh, who was on Epicus Dumicus Metallicus, um, this guy shredded. Great he, yeah. he fucking mm-hmm. did it. Um, I I I went on the heavy soak one night with that album, Nightfall, which is their 1987, and then the following year, Ancient Dreams. Those three albums I focused on, okay. and yeah. I I don't get people disliking that band. No, to, to, no. to me, it's like this is this is a like. This is a hot black Sabbath with the storytelling yeah. <laughs> of of Iron Maiden. There's something like about that Bruce like Bruce Dickinson run to yeah. the hills style, like singing that all the vocals are just they are they're operatic. Like so this is like what like this is epic too, technically. This is what people have labeled this. I think it's a great name for it because of yeah. the storytelling nature. Um I just watched the video for Bewitched uh, before we got on, mm-hmm. and, which is off of Ep- Epic, Epicus, Dumicus, Metallicus. Yes. What a fucking video. Everything that you're saying, put the visual to it. Uh, yeah, I can't agree with you more. Um, yeah, yeah just check it. They went through a lot of, uh, you know, singers after Messiah left. He quit in, you know, 92 or something, and then they put out one final record before they broke up. It was with some other singer. I forgot actually who the singer was. And then they reformed uh, later on, and they brought in this guy, Robert Lowe, who is the vocalist of Solitude Alternus. Uh-huh. Those dudes are a Texas uh, doom band from the late 80s to 90s. One of the great doom, American doom bands. Okay. It's another amazing band to listen to. The vocalist, again, amazing. He's, he's, like, he's like the doom metal version of Dio. Well, Dio... Mm-hmm. You know, sad. he's like Dio right. to me. And anyway, he was in Candlemash for three records, and uh, that, those fucking albums are just as good as the old ones. Yeah, I'm and, gonna uh, continue. They, they're still doing it. They're still doing it, man. And the, the uh, new album, new album from two years ago or last year, the original vocalist is back from Epicus for the first time since that album. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. See, I forgot well, the that, guy's Rick, name, that... but I was watching a little YouTube doc, and someone, uh, the, the host of the doc, was saying how that singer really didn't want anything to do with the band. Like he treated it like a paid gig, and then right. he just walked away. 
But he's back now, so I wonder if he's doing the same deal. Because now, like, you know, they're, they're doing pretty good. Probably better than, well, they were, they were doing pretty well in the 80s, too, so. Successful that's, band. Yeah, that's what I was talking about, about how, like, there's, uh, uh, you know, doom metal bands coming back now, like, with their strong, like, stronger material than they've done in a while, you know, or, or you know, something to that effect. I guess that's another one you could lump in with, like, um, uh, uh, Paradise Lost coming back, you know. And speaking of Solitude Alternatives, I can't recommend that band anymore. That's one of the great doom bands. Uh, they haven't put out an album since, I think, 2005, but, um... He's a great singer. Those dudes had great riffs. And I saw them live at the Limelight in New York City opening for Merciful Fate in 1995. Wow. And that was goddamn incredible, too, man. I was right up front for that. And uh, amazing shows, man. Amazing, amazing shit. That you don't see it anymore because those bands are gone. Like Solitude, they, they're not around anymore. But uh, amazing band. Everyone check those guys out. Solitude Alternus. Yeah, just following them now. Um, uh, another, go ahead, Tom. Sorry. Oh no. I, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. wanted to say you you were uh, reviewing a few, or wanted to bring in a, a few Doom acts yourself, um, and there was one that really stuck out when you when you sent this list. And I just want to start there, if you don't mind, Will. Um, uh, with, uh, no, you, you're, you're allowed to ride my Segway. You're my friend. <laughs> I, I want to. I want to because this, this really caught me off guard and I fucking loved it. But uh, Rigor Sar Sardonicus. Oh, yeah. We could talk Rigor Sardonicus. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, I want to. Yeah. Tight. Um, well, well, like, as an outside, before I even spill any beans on that band, like, tell me what, what you have found out and, and what your take on, on that band is. So, um... Globally, my knowledge is limited to the first album, um, which was called. Uh, oh, I wrote down. There, uh, there are Valius, a lot. Of, yeah, they're in Latin. Yeah. Yeah, Valius ex Umbra de Mortis. Okay, so this, like, this is, um, it is, it's doom. It's paced like doom, but there's like the vocals are like disgusting death metal, and yes, um, yeah. it seems that they took like the fuzziness of doom and kind of like took took more of like a like a like a sludgy kind of sound like an edited on top of it because this is one of the thickest things i've heard in a while mm -hmm. it sounds almost like robotic mm -hmm. but it's not it's very analog sounding but because of the like the amount of breakup happening in these guitars on this album <laughs> i was like oh man this uh this got me gone yeah this well, it's first of all, it's a long, it's a Suffolk County, Long Island-based band, Get long running here. too since since the since the early '90s. Yep, yep. Uh, you guys, I'm not sure if you guys ever met Joe. Uh, shout out to Joe from um, Rigor Sardonicus, uh, uh, an old friend of mine. Um, I've been in bands with him. Uh, he's been in a lot of Long Island, Suffolk County bands veering more towards the black metal scene out there um he was a member of dimension on for yeah, many paragon, years right, yeah bands, paragon records uh yeah exactly rigor sardonic is yeah because he just he, he's hand in hand with with that whole scene out there um he was in dimension on uh he was in telok Vovin with greg for a while i think now he's actually back in dimension on for the current lineup um 
Those dudes are recording right now, I believe. Yeah, shout to Dimension On. Mike yeah. Zan, we got a whole episode with Mike Zancelli of Paragon Records at Dimension On again from uh, way back when we were first starting out this this podcast, if people want to check that out. We probably did talk a little bit about Joe and Rigor, uh, but Rigor Sardonicus has just been consistently under the radar, sludgy doom metal, and this was kind of my introduction to sludge, because it was the Long Island band. Joe's been doing it forever. I met him in the 90s when I met all those guys, and... Um, I, I the, the name of the other guy uh, uh, escapes me right now, um, who's in the band with him. Uh, but shout to shout to him. You guys got Metallum up? Um, I can pull it up right now. Thanks. Glenn yeah. Hampton, it looks like. I knew it was. I was gonna say Glenn, and I and I fucking choked on it because I didn't want to get it wrong. Okay, so so we'll leave that in and air horn it because I knew it, but I didn't say. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll edit that. Yeah, so Joe and the other guy, Glenn, who he does the band with, have been keeping this going for a long time. One of Biolich, when Biolich first started performing live, when Andrew and Dan joined up the band in like 2002 or, or so, one of our first shows ever was playing a little tiny bar somewhere in Suffolk County, Long Island. I don't even remember where it was exactly, with Rigor Sardonicus. And wow. they performed live with the drum machine. Um, and, I've, done, uh, I've done that before, yeah. Yeah, and, and the and the crazy pitch shifter vocals. But the vocals, like you were saying, Tom, is the main thing. The bands that I brought to the table tonight, and I'm going to talk about a few more besides Rigor, but that's a good place to start right here on Long Island, um, is that the vocals are sludgy pitch. They're basically almost like what you'd expect from a gore grind band, like Regurgitate or, you know, some sl you know crazy sludgy pitch shifted band. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and that gets me, because I'm a vocal guy and I'm a gross vocal guy. You know what I mean? And that's just the bottom line. Um, so, yeah, Rigor Sardonic. And the best the best part about Joe is he's actually uh, an educated, uh, you know, sound engineer. He records bands. He works at studios. He composes music. Uh, he, you know, he can he can read music. He's, like, he's um, a very rigorous, uh, you know, not, no pun intended, uh, uh, musician. Uh, and and um, music engineer, and he just kind of chooses to do rigor sardonicus, the most ugly thing you can imagine, which I love. Um, it, it's uh, ugly, but it's really well balanced. It's uh, it's just so cool to listen to, man. And that's kind of like my style of doom. I'll talk about a few other bands eventually tonight um, that 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 you know are in that vein, maybe that I really love. Um, but yes, yeah, such a good band, so under the radar. And like Rick said, Paragon Records. Uh, put out a few of their releases because that's Mike from from Dimension on. Uh, Rick, did you ever sample Rigor? Did you ever listen to that? I did. Um, not the whole discography. Uh, Mikey yeah. Zancelli sent me a, a whole bunch of Paragon CDs a while back, so I ripped those uh, into uh, you know digital. I don't. I don't got a CD player. You know. You know what I mean. Poser. So. Uh, so yeah. The, I don't really. You know, it's it's been like five years since since I have checked them out, but they did stand out at the time. I I, I remember you were saying about the vocals. Yeah, it's uh, gross. Jumping out on me. Yeah, I, I love I love Rigor Sardonicus, man. Yeah, that's a, that's an old old um, uh, staple in my in my collection, man. Um, yeah, I was in such a clean vocal mode when I had like put that on, so I yeah. was really like, oh oh yeah, mm -hmm. you know, just like. Guy, guy's throat sounds like a, like a motorcycle. Hey, Will, Winter is from Long Island too, right? Winter. I feel bad. I don't know that specifically. I always thought for some reason they were a New York City band. Okay. Maybe I got that wrong. 
Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure. I but know those dudes also, you know, late '80s, early '90s were doing this doom shit, uh, doom death kind of shit. No one was really, you know, doing well, I was that at say, that point. Given the era, they were probably playing out here a lot at all the clubs on Long Island that there were for metal. You know, either way, because it was back in the day, people used to come out here to play in the in the early nineties. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Winter, another great band. Um, if people want to talk about Death Doom and about you know starting local from here in New York, Winter is definitely a band we should talk about. Um, yeah, they, they were on. Uh, they're from New York, New York, uh, at a, on the Metallum, but says that they were. Uh, oh. Not to be confused with Peekskill, New York, a different winter band. This one's from New York, New York, the one you're talking about, on Nuclear Blast, starting in 88. Uh, Ryan Lipinski, speaking of Ryan, shout out to Ryan. Uh, he did um, his project. Uh, oh, Jesus Christ, he's going to fucking kill me. Oh, my God. The Howling Wind. The Howling Wind was uh, with, one, with one of the dudes from Winter. Um yeah, that's I got I got all those records on vinyl too. Those are great shit. That's some good stuff. Yeah, Winter highly recommended if people want to go down that Death Doom tunnel uh, and and start checking out where a lot of that stuff comes from, man. And you know, it's like when we that's what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode about when you say Doom, you're talking about so many subgenres now. Um, one, you know, like like something I wanted to do, you know, kind of like a little disclaimer that I forgot was that we're not as much as we talk about the Sabbath stuff. Uh, bands like uh, Kaius and like that desert rock genre um, get brought brought up. I, I, yeah, we're not really going to go into that too much tonight. I it, yeah, I put I actually put that in my notes and I kind of skipped over it because I was like, that's not going to come up. But you're right. That's like that. That's like the sludge stuff. Sludge is like yeah, yeah. Sludge is enough removed uh, where we can we can get into bands like Kaius and Acid Bath Crowbar. and Crowbar and stuff like that at another time. Um, we could probably do our own uh, like whole other d- deep dive eventually on that type of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I like you know, I, th- there's a reason there's this crossover there. I mean, like you know, early Mastodon and and early Baroness, like those bands who are pretty big now, they come from that like area where it is really close to what we're talking about. But it's it's more like uh, you know a little more traditional rock and roll with like a leaning into like heavy metal. Instead of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I gotta quickly correct myself because Ryan's gonna gonna kill me. It was Serpentine Path that the dude from Winter was also a sick man. Ryan's got a lot of projects. projects. I I don't blame you. Ryan's got a lot of different (laughs) projects. And we did a whole episode with Ryan Lipinski. If people want to go back and hear more about that, we covered all of his projects for that. He's got a lot of cool stuff that he's that he's uh, got in his catalog. Uh, including the Reeking Aura uh, three-song EP that we all did together, Rick, Rick, and Ryan and I with our bandmates in Reeking Aura. Um, I like that we plug our own music very much. Yeah, God, why, gotta, gotta why, take every Am I gonna be like bashful about it? I mean, it's you know, it is what yeah. it is. Yeah, no, no, um, I'm, I'm in. Um. Uh. So and, and yeah, like we were saying, you know, we're not gonna cover so much the desert rock and and the the southern rock influence type of stuff, which I think is very valid. And we should, it may be worthy of its own deep dive type of episode. So for the listeners, like I was going to say, you know, that stuff is worthy probably of its own episode. 
uh, eventually. But tonight, you know, what, when we do our dive into Doom, the premise of tonight, really, like I said, is that Justin, Tom, and I aren't huge Doom heads. We're dipping our toes in the water tonight, and we're doing it by way of a lot of this death Doom and stuff that has a little bit more of a death and black metal influence. You know, we just talked about Winter, um, and we and talked about course- Rigor Sardonicus with the vocals. Right, and we had to launch off with Co- like Cody Hager's um, C- Cody's uh, voicemail and email to us really led us down this path. So specifically, Paul Bearer and Chemist need to be covered, but the Death Doom thing is it's gonna follow. Yeah, and, and well, kind of to expand on my rigor Sardonicus talk, um, uh, you know, I'm. I, I'm, I come more from the brutal death metal and gore grind scene, especially when I was younger and first got into the underground scene. And uh, the bands I'm talking about are all bands that I've been into since I was a teenager and stuff that really hit home uh, with me, you know, even back then when I was just all about dead infection and gore grind and United Guttural Records bands and Mortician and stuff. I, I, was, I was still really into this stuff. So I want to talk about Gonculator. Um, from uh, Massachusetts, which is infamously uh, uh, features Charlie Infection, who people know as the drummer of Psycho, long-running uh, Massachusetts punk band, uh, always kept it DIY and underground. And um, I've talked a lot on the podcast about how ordering from Infection Distribution back in the 90s was a big gateway for me into the underground scene and the flyers that he would send me and stuff. Gonculator was um, one of those bands that I was ordering records and tapes about uh, by uh, from Charlie back in the day, and I still, you know, if I see it, I'll get some vinyl or whatever every once in a while. Um, really interesting band. I think they 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 labeled themselves Black Noise. Um, it was very almost like tongue in cheek, uh, you know, satanic in a black metal way. Um, uh, very like almost uh, almost crazy and like like. Abstract the way they would be like super satanic and and, and over the top, uh, but the music it forced you to question whether it was a whole recording slowed down or what the hell they were really doing. It was the sludgiest, gnarliest thing, and sometimes they would have songs that would have I'm not I wouldn't say a fast pace, but at least a driving pace to them and be more grind. And then sometimes there would be more noisecore, grindy, blasty elements. Um, but just such a, an evil, chaotic, sludgy thing. And with again, with those pitch-shifted vocals, those nasty, crazy vocals, almost like some of this, like this and some of the other stuff I'm talking about is almost a step up from Abruptum. If you guys remember Abruptum, where it's just, it's, it's just kind of like torturous, improvised noise. Like, this is, like, has a slightly more musical element to it. That's, you know, but it's, I think that's what captured my imagination with the, with this stuff, is that it was almost like noisecore and gore grind in, in a way, and and, and, and um, almost like an improvised experimental noisecore in a way, but it was, like, under the guise of this sludgy, blackened doom metal. You know what I mean? With this very punk DIY edge. So Gonculator is still something I think people should go out and check out. Really crazy band. Um, on, a, on that Satan's Burial Ground record, <laughs> I love that uh, that intro sample bit. Um, yeah, because it, it was like it was like this chopped up, almost like Undertaker theme song track. I feel, I feel like <laughs> it was that funeral march, like straight from <laughs> from WWF. Uh, but yeah, well, it was just chopped up with all these like evil samples. It's very very cool. 
Well, well, that's the thing. I felt like they kind of took what, you know, like a lot of the Norwegian bands were doing and a lot of what, you know, everyone was really doing towards the end of the 90s with the satanic thing and the anti-Christian thing and the yeah. um, blasphemy thing. And But Gonculator was almost turning it into satire. I don't want to say satire, but they were like just like over the top, you know, almost yeah. the way like the Sex Pistols or, or like a really traditional old school punk band would be with it. You know what I mean? It was it was a punk take on that whole blasphemy thing. You know, they, they there was there was like a little bit of a of a sarcasm about it, you know, for sure. Right. Um, what a what a name too. Yeah. Yeah. Gonculator. Uh, so, yeah, like a punk attitude. I mean, I feel like they they were kind of trying to turn people off and piss people off in a way too, man. It, you know, from 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 wherever, from the black metal scene, the punk scene, the metal scene, whatever. I think they were kind of driving it on. You know, did it have anything to do with the gonculator pedal? I don't know. I I remember the gonculator pedal being around after I was well aware of gonculator the band. Interesting. And I question whether they got it from there, or maybe they both got it from some sort of other source in in uh, pop culture history somewhere that I'm not aware. I, I haven't done the research on that. Hmm. Well, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Look into no. that right <laughs> I well, I do remember the Gonculator pedal being a thing after the Gonculator band. I'm pretty sure. I would I would wager on that. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, it's a Dod pedal. So that's, they've been around forever, so it, it could be either way. Um, I, I'm not sure. Any other takes on that before we move on? No, no. Um, yeah, what, what other bands we got in the wheelhouse? Well, it's funny Justin mentions the Undertaker theme uh, in context of this conversation. The next band I really want to recommend that I love is Black Mass of Absu from, uh, I believe they were from the upstate New York area, Rochester-ish. Um, I know allegedly they had, they had they were you know they were a, a sketchy band um, with uh, 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 what do you call it um, uh, they went by different names and, and all that and uh, uh, with black metal names and stuff and um, allegedly ski mask uh, the the art and noise um, character uh, uh, behind a lot of different projects was uh, involved in, in black mass of Absu back in the day. Um, they didn't leave behind a whole lot of material, uh, but I do, I have this, the, the split seven inch with Gonculator where they just straight up used a photo of, um, uh, 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 was, wait, was it, yeah, Demolition. Oh, it looks like Demolition. Yeah, demolition. yeah. yeah the, like they used old, Demolition, right? Original Demolition, yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. what I mean. It, it was Smash almost like, like that, yeah. it was like a punk DIY kind of like sarcastic take on black metal, where they would just do that. Like, why not just do that? You know what I mean? Like, it was it was funny to me, you know. Hell yeah. But the thing about them was the music backed it up. It just sounded like the most evil, nasty, sludgy, gnarly shit. Again, with the vocals slowed down or run through a pitch shift effect of some kind or something another band where you had to wonder if it was tuned that low or did they slow it down you would i mean i remember rewinding black mesa absu on cassette and listening back and trying to figure out if they slowed down the recording or if they tuned low or what really and they, they would blend in an organ that's what black mesa absu did really awesome was they would put in an organ and you almost had this kind of like it, it sounded like a weird, like an inverted medieval uh, kind of um, uh, 
uh, uh, chamber music effect over the sludgy noise and this guy howling in pain through a pitch shifter. I mean, what a what a sound, man. Um, Will, well, if I may, uh, speaking of Black Mass of Absu, would, would you say your favorite song of theirs was Vile Odor of Shit or perhaps Scrotum Detachment by Meat Cleaver? Oh, Scrotum Detachment by Meat Cleaver was the... I used to turn that up at the parties back in the... Oh, fucking 95. Yeah, when I I used to sell oranges on the turnpike, I used to get off of work and play that song all the time. It was great. I'm going to check these dudes out for sure, bro. No, yeah, really interesting, weird band. Don't play it too loud around your cats. They might get scared. Um... (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I, I love Black Mass Absu, man. I got some of their material from back in the day still. Uh, and another band I wanted to talk about, similar to this vein of bands that kind of come more out of the noise core and DIY grind scene, um, but play a sludgy brand of experimental music that is akin to doom metal, Black Mayonnaise from Akron, Ohio. Um, we, yeah, we, Mike Duncan is the one man that's behind this one-man project. Associated uh, at times with Pile of Eggs. We talked to Steve Eggs at length. Uh, listeners can go back and check out that episode. Mike Duncan was one of those guys that would travel, I believe, at one point to Steve Eggs' house uh, for those um, uh, trips where they would they would all meet up at Steve Eggs' house and record uh, noise together. Um, but uh, uh, Mike Duncan's main project was Black Mayonnaise that he recorded through the years, many, many recordings. You can go on Bandcamp and find, I think it's kind of like a greatest hit, like a, not a greatest hits, but a collection of material. And it's don't, really interesting stuff. Don't just Google um, Black Mayo uh, where you fall into a SoundCloud rapper hole uh, of, of at yeah. least a couple of SoundCloud rappers called Black Mayo. Um, yeah, you got to get Mayo, specific. If you're into it, like, then do it. Yeah, but... And then black mayonnaise itself is some sort of toxic sludge of chemicals that may or may not be where you got the band name. So basically just look up black mayonnaise band camp and you should find it along the way. Um, But uh, yeah, uh, uh, black mayonnaise from Akron, Ohio. I really love this project. Um, And um, uh, there's some sketchy stuff in the beginning before he really found his his sound. That's just kind of sounds like noise core through through a boom box. But once the guy got a uh, four track, he really started creating some trippy, sludgy, um, almost uh, psychedelic, uh, like frog-like doom music. Again, with the slowed down pitch shifted vocals that I love so much. I think he had more of just a bass guitar and a drum machine um, approach. Um, but, uh, you know, it was like less is more. It was such a simple um, uh, uh, recipe. And, and there's not really much material that you can really find to listen to. So it's just something cool to check out is Black Mayonnaise um, with this sludgy, slowed down, kind of like frog on the moon, uh, you know, sci- sci-fi in, in, the, in the bottom of the gutter of the trailer park. Weird thing going on that they got. One of a kind project. Um, I actually looked up, there was, uh, what was it now, man? If you, if you Google um, Black Mayonnaise... Uh, and look for merch. There's a few things that pop up and you can check out. Um, there's like, you know, collection tapes and CDs around that are uh, fairly hard to find sometimes. But check it out. Um, Black Mayonnaise is, is, is a, a really interesting project. You guys get a chance to peep that? Yeah. I, um, I went to the first upload on YouTube. I, I think it was like an EP of sorts. And uh, I got to listen to some of it. And um, very experimental where I like it's definitely 
I mean, I'm a novice speaking here. It's teetering on doom to me. It has the doom thing, yeah. but it's it's a it's like industrial like it's worth a listen. I'm not doing any justice. I'm, I will say I checked huh. it out and I'm just seconding what you're saying. It's really interesting. Well, what you just said, Tom, reminded me of something I wanted to mention is that an early influence that was credited in the write-up, uh, the bio I read online about Black Mayonnaise today, was Godflesh. And it does... That's the thing. Is that's the, I think the missing link I'm looking for in the description here is that uh, it is it is like a Godflesh that, that veers more towards DIY four-track noise doom you know it's yeah, totally. whereas godflesh is more of a, a industrial band with certain dynamics black mayonnaise was you know it was a stripped down diy project that evolved from the noise core scene yeah yeah that makes sense the the, the video i checked out or the song i checked out was on youtube uh i guess the song is called canto 1553 it says 1993 <laughs> doom dark ambient drone experimental avant-garde Whatever it is, but uh, yeah, before getting into that like like dense uh, noise core industrial kind of sound, there's this very reverb heavy, um, almost like tribal drum beat going on. It's like yeah, this yeah, weird, it's... like drum like like bongo loop, uh, if you will. Um, I that was my favorite part. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's but, you know, all together. It was, it was pretty interesting. I think all that, Rick. I don't know if you you looked that up at all, or if you've ever heard of that guy. No, I'm just looking it up right now. I haven't heard it. I'm gonna definitely check it out. Interesting stuff. It sounds for sure. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you may allegedly want to eat an edible or two and then listen to it an hour later. I don't know. <laughs> it's that type, but it's that type of stuff. It's kind of crazy, kind of loopy. It sounds like maybe uh, if Pink Floyd had a gore grind band um, or something like that. I don't know. Will, it looks like on this video that I saw, uh, the first comment on YouTube is somebody saying, somebody, Mcan uh, Duikin. He says, that, I appreciate, yeah, that's him, right? Yeah. Got, yeah, so he's he says, I appreciate your interest and thanks for sharing this. Uh, when I recorded this, I was just a clueless kid who had no idea that people would still be listening to this 20 years later uh, and, uh, and would meet some really good friends along the way. Uh, so he sounds like a very wholesome man. Wow. Uh, well, we, also, we should. He's, we got yeah, to talk. He also, <laughs> he also mentions he's got another band called Sludge Throne, and uh, and you can search for it if you're interested. Um, wow. So he's yeah he's 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 out there commenting on the threads, showing his appreciation. Wow, Sludge Throne. So shout to Mike Duncan. Shout to Sludge Throne. Uh, and we we got to look him up. That's interesting, man. Maybe, maybe we'll get to talk to him one day. Uh, and I'm glad we got to bring this up because it's just that's that's always been for whatever reason it always just stuck. Maybe I think it's just something about those low end pitch shifted vocals. It just does it for me. Um, uh, so, uh, with that being said, those were the four bands: Gonculator, Black Mass of Absu, Rigor Sardonicus, and Black Mayonnaise. That I really wanted to add to this conversation, and I think people will realize speaks to my taste. Hell yeah. Good. Um, I got I got one band I wanted to throw in, um, which uh, I you know I don't have too much to say about it, because, you know, because my, my my point of reference was low when I when I brought it in, um, but it kind of my feelings on this kind of sum up uh, my entire Doom experience over the past few days. Uh, so um, I listened to uh, the band Ahab and uh, the album Call of the Wretched Sea, which is um, it's a Moby Dick themed uh funeral doom uh joint okay 
Uh, so I, I checked out uh, a video of theirs uh, for a song called The Hunt, which they performed at Vakken uh, in 2017. And uh, this was, you know, this was the kind of the first uh, uh, first piece of doom that I exposed myself uh, when, when Will, you sent me the text that we're going to go into here. So I went in being like, this is going to be fucking terrible. And... It starts off with about five to six to seven minutes of, of, uh, of ocean sounds and tuning and before uh, an arpeggiated uh, chord rings out for another uh, five minutes with some, some like typo negative style like clean singing on it. And I'm like, oh my fucking God, this is going to be a long week. So it's going and going and going. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the dude, uh, the singer guitar player... Rips some of the sickest guttural vocals that I've ever heard before in my life, uh, and then just rocks into this like Sabbathy Volume Four like blues riff, and then they play that for ten minutes, which wasn't long enough uh, for mm. me. So uh, I had this this roller coaster uh, kind of experience with Ahab, and it reminded me of fishing, um, to be honest. Where you're out there fishing, and it's slow. And most of the time, you're not doing nothing. You're holding it, and it's slow, and it's just a lot of reverb and ocean sounds and weird chords just kind of droning out. But when, if you get a bite and you're on that fight, then, Jesus Christ, that's the sickest blues riff you've ever heard before, and you're, and you're going. And that little fight, if you get that fish up, holy shit, like, let that riff play forever. But then, like, you bring it up, and it's, like, not a keeper, and it's too short, so you got to throw it back. Then you dip back down into that riff that goes for another 17 minutes before that good <laughs> one pops back up. And uh, and that's that was my, like, really... Uh, uh, that really kind of brought it home to me and and, and, and unlocked uh, all of these mysteries of doom that, that, uh, that I kind of wow. walked into. So um, I, I will always equate it to fishing now, from now on, <clears throat> because of the wow. ebbs and flows. You know what I mean? Wow. Because the motion of the ocean. And because wow. Ahab uh, is about like uh, yeah, is, is Moby Dick. So, uh, I, I can't believe that you just brought it all back to fishing in that way. That's pretty amazing. Um, I think you just you might have just converted me to doom metal. I never thought, but what a perfect like to listen to a doom metal out. I could listen to Bell Witch while I'm out there with a, a fishing rod yeah. with a line in the water. Yeah. And that's when you will have the time and the patience. Yeah. Because Will, yeah, what I was wow. gonna what, what I wanna sum it all up with is that it might not be the flashiest uh, instrumental you've ever heard. Uh, there are amazing vocalists, uh, but maybe it's not the the best vocalist, you don't know. What I think the most uh, integral, impressive part of Doom Metal is the patience. Mm. And you gotta have pa- <laughs> and you gotta have patience. That yeah. sums up this whole episode right there in a in, a, in an amazing fishing-related way. I love the theme. That, yeah. that And this is going to be, you know, I always thought of Doom as a winter genre. It's going to have to be the spring-summer genre for me now when I go fishing. That's, that's incredible. And then you listen to it early. You get up early as you do when you go fishing. You watch the sunset with the Doom Metal album going. Mm-hmm. I got to check out this Bell Witch Mirror Reaper. 5 a.m. waiting for the fish. Yeah, some sunrise bell witch sounds. Well, like I'm picturing you right now, uh, sitting on the little fishing boat, the little wooden fishing boat, and uh, you're sitting there listening to uh, some good old funeral doom, some skepticism or something. Yeah, you know, just just rowing really slow. 
The sun's coming yeah. up. You got some Bell Witch. You got an egg sandwich. And you're off for the day. <laughs> yeah. Wearing a, a monk's robe. Oh, my God. Yeah, we no, should go, that's, we're going funeral fishing uh, in the summer. I, <laughs> we're wearing robes. So we're going in. Yeah, it's, that's amazing. I, I, I like that, Justin, how you did that. I mean, um, I, I, I I was thinking about this earlier because we're because we're covering this topic and we don't know so much. Rick, thank you so much for being here absolutely, to, to absolutely. correct us yeah, if, we, yeah. if, we, if we falter. But, like, you guys are doing good. Man. Slowing down <laughs> is my future. I know that. It's everyone's future. Like, yeah, I got to take it easy. I was like, uh, I was a fan of. I was a fan of, of bands like Psychroptic and and Origin and stuff before I got no. into slower things. You know, You're like have a seizure. I, no, I'm just saying, like I've I've slowed down in general, and like I always wanted to like hype it up when I was younger. It's always faster, faster, yeah. faster. Like I go trip. You got to trip and fall. Like right, <laughs> Epitaph became one of my favorite albums, and then a few years later, I started listening to Queens of the Stone Age, and I was like, mm. this band is actually pretty good. And then, so well, that's, I don't know. That's the desert rock. That's the desert rock. That again, is. Tom. We'll get into it, but I'm saying it goes that way. So There's I, time I for do that. see a future uh, for Doom for yeah. me. Future and Doom. Doom futures. Yeah, I, diamond hands. Mm-hmm. I, I got a 65 year old guy that makes snake jerky from New Mexico that we're going to call for the desert rock episode. No don't shit. Worry, that's right? so, that's great. Yeah, don't worry about it. I got his business card. But um, <laughs> listen, uh, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing snake boots at my wedding. Yeah, I hope you're wearing snake boots right now. Um, uh, Rick, you're the guest tonight, though, not the snake jerky guy, allegedly. Um, <laughs> you snake uh, jerk. And, and, and as Tom was saying, thank you for your time. And I did want to get your hot takes on a few Doom-related things here um, that maybe like like a, like a band. Here's a band that I feel like definitely falls in the Doom thing. Um, but maybe has like they have one foot in in, in, a, in a couple other places. They kind of, and you could say this too about the band that precedes them. I'm talking about Typo Negative. Man, I was right. just thinking about Typo Negative. Yeah, like we had the mental, ago, yeah, man. we had the mental yeah, yeah. connection going, man. And, and just what I wanted it's to great. say was, Carnivore in a way always oh, yeah. tricked me. This like Carnivore to me was always like death metal adjacent. But in reality, they were from that crossover hardcore and thrash metal yeah. kind of thing going on. But they were so brutal and doomy and sarcastic. And they had doomy like elements too, metal. man. Yeah. Yeah. And then Typo yeah. Negative moving on is, it, again, a lot of different elements at play, but definitely doom metal adjacent, but more from more from the American side and definitely more from the New York side. Typo, to me, is a doom band. Yeah. So, like, I mean, people say, you know, oh, gothic metal. I hate that shit. I hate, I hate that term. They were so brutal. That's just a personal preference. I I don't like that term. Was that well? Yeah, no, I I get it. I was I was agreeing with you because typo negative. You couldn't say gothic metal because they were brutal and sarcastic. Yeah, and you know. You know, he loved, you know, Pete, Pete Steele, he was a Sabbath freak, you know, he loved that shit, and it definitely rubs off. Probably saw Typo more live, more than any other band ever in my life. I probably saw them 12, 13 times. Really? Wow. And, and, Car- and Carnivore, I saw uh, three times. Each time was uh, different, because they were, they were doing uh, reunion shit in the mid-90s, and uh, yeah. I saw Carnivore at the Rock Palace in Staten Island. That was the first time I saw them. The Rock Palace in Staten Island in 1995. That it was a great fucking club, man. A lot of a lot of good shows down there went down there, 
and carnivore did the full carnivore show with the blood and the, and the, the meat the carcasses they would throw out that was great people people fucking slipping on blood running around with, with legs bones uh, with meat dripping hanging <laughs> off their necks Hell and yeah. then the next time I saw them was at uh, the limelight again the limelight amazing show it was decked out in uh, Soviet Russia the whole place was all all uh, Soviet Russia out and Pete Steele didn't say one word the entire show just played and that was amazing and the third time was at Lemoore. So if you're going to see Typo or Carnivore, you're going to want to see them at Lemoore, the, yeah. great, the greatest club in the history of Earth for metal. And that's where those dudes, you know, really broke their teeth. So that, that was great, man. I saw both of those bands there and uh, great memories from the 90s, man. I'm, I'm getting old now. But yeah. Have you checked out? I, I know, don't two of the guys from Typo have a, a new band that's kind of trying to keep the, the legacy going, I guess you could say, or the... The, yeah, you know the sound the of silver tomb silver yeah silver tomb. tomb that was it yeah pretty good stuff yeah um, yeah I, I checked that out a while back man yeah we should try to reach out to some of those guys definitely man yeah man uh kenny uh kenny hickey i believe that's that's his band uh you know he was his sound if you listen to typo you know well the first typo record sounds like because they were called fallout for a little while after carnivore the new band was called Fallout. So if you look at look up their demo, I think I think the Fallout demo is going for almost a thousand dollars from what I saw. You know, I think I seen it for seven hundred fifty dollars <laughs> the first typo demo. But then if you listen to that, that was definitely more aggressive. Uh, it had some really doomy shit on there, but you could hear the carnivore uh, rub off in the early typo stuff. But second album, Bloody Kisses, you know, they they, they went platinum. They sold a million records. That's crazy, for that, yeah. For that album. yeah. Very doomy album, you know. And, and, and of course, October Rust, which I just bought on vinyl, original copy from some dude locally for fifty bucks, and I've seen that go for two hundred bucks. Wow! So I got a good deal on that. I got a good deal. I don't like spending fifty dollars on records, but Hard. You know, a rare first pressing of a of a uh, October Rust, I took it. I took that shit. I rarely go over twenty on a record, man. I'm cheap. No, that was the most. But dude, some of these new albums, like. Uh, you pay Century Media, double album, brand new album, 50 bucks shipped. You know? Yeah. So it's, oh, it, it, it gets yeah. crazy. I can't. I'll, I'll go I'll go and look up I'll look up what's on sale at some places and check some and, and listen to five or six new bands when I got the time one night. And I'll, I'll have my recommendation for the heavy old for the week and I'll find something for $10, you know what I mean? At the same time. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, Before I'll pay $50 for something I know I would love, but it's just, I can't, you know, something about it, man. I, I got to be cheap with it. But yeah, I love Typo. You know, they, of course, they ended um, obviously when Pete Steele died. And a little aside from that was when uh, my band, Grace Guys Fallen, we were jamming in Staten Island. We had a monthly room at Phoenix Studios, and we had to unfortunately move out. I guess our drummer, uh, a gentleman who we don't speak his name to. Oh. Fergus. All right, yeah, Fergus. Right, Fergus. It was, you know, he couldn't make it or whatever, so we had to leave the room. And Typo was gonna take the room, and then wow. Pete, Pete Steele passed away right, th you know, right then. Oh, they man. were gonna record the. They, they were gonna get started on writing the next album. So, wow, well, that, that's that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. yeah. I, I, I remember the uh, the studio guy telling me that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah wow, man. Sad thing. Yeah. 
whole Peter Spears. Yeah, man, that guy, you know, if you look at, he had, I don't really know the particulars, but it looks like a big downfall with drugs and such, but that he was always, you know, I was seeing Typo in 92, 93, this was a, Pete Steele was like an imposing figure, you know, six foot seven, holding the base with like a, on like a chain uh, as a strap, you know, this dude was, and then unfortunately he succumbed to, to, uh, that stuff. I have articulitis uh, on my birthday of all days. That's that gift. Yeah. Yeah. Band, man. yeah. Keyboards, good keyboards in that band too. Yeah. Like that added that like dark, you know, yeah. kind of element to it. I, I, a band I've always wanted to really go back and and rediscover. I remember having. I went through a period in junior high school when I was kind of like death. Like I've talked about on the podcast how like a kid played me, loaned me a cassette of Butcher to Birth, and it was kind of like too much for me. When I was, you know, I was listening to Iron Maiden, I was listening to Pantera, Little Sepultura. I wasn't full on ready for the grindcore and the guttural vocals yet, and I definitely was into typo negative. I did see them open for Queensrÿche at Jones Beach. Oh, yeah. And that was probably when they was, I think it was probably when Bloody Kisses was out and they were getting huge. This was uh, 94, that tour. So yeah, yeah that that was that uh, right be between Bloody Kisses and October Rust. And, and, and a quick aside on that, I saw that tour at uh, Garden State Art Center in New Jersey. It's now PNC Bank Art Center and it's an outdoor amphitheater. Mm -hmm. And uh, Typo opened, it was great, I loved it. And I loved Queensryche growing up, man. Yeah, well, that, that, that was the that promise, was promise land, land tour. Promise Land, and, and for some reason, at the time, that that record didn't jive. I didn't, you know, it didn't well, do it. And and I went, I, I got to look back on that. I got to listen back to that record. It's been like twenty years. Promise but Land album, is a big departure, but yeah. it's a good album. I liken it more to like a Pink Floyd influenced album than a metal influenced album. I would probably love that album today. It's, you know, it's but when I was. When I was six or eighteen, I, I couldn't. I don't know. I, I was a, too much of a departure, I guess. But well, that's that show thing, yeah. was the only show. I unfortunately, this is going to hurt your feelings. Well, I fell asleep during Queen's Rag. Oh, I fell asleep <laughs> sitting on a, sitting on a bench, sitting on a bench uh, at the amphitheater, and uh, I fell asleep during Queen's Rag. And I was, and the only other show I ever fell asleep at was Depeche Mode. I fell asleep <laughs> at the Depeche Mode show. Well, I, I don't know. You just told us about falling asleep out of my dying bride show. <laughs> well, dude, that was because I had my, my fucking head was caved in. <laughs> took a, being took a snooze to, there. Being put to sleep and falling asleep are two different things. I didn't have my wits about me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. You know, that's 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 cool to hear, man. And yeah, like I said, typo negative. I, I had, remember having Origin of the Feces, Bloody Kisses. What was the first album? Origin of the Feces was a re-recorded um, first. It was the first album redone with yeah. a live, with a li yeah. fake live crowd. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first album was um, slow, deep, and hard. Yeah, I had that and, and Bloody Kisses and Origin of the Feces and. Um, uh, Hopefully, you had the original cover of Origin of the Feces, not the edited Roadrunner cover. The original cover was Pete Steele's anus. Was no, I did not there, have that. No. Is no. there a butthole? Uh, it was yeah, like a, oh god! It was, it's it was, a butthole, believe me. <laughs> what was it? Was, wait, was it like all like green and distorted? It was yeah, green distorted with filth uh, coming out of his. his, his yeah, maybe all right, because I think the I think the kid who loaned me the Cannibal Corpse tape also had that, and I made a dub of it, so it might have been because I only had the actual tape for like a day or two, and I made a I made a dub of it, but yeah. Fucking Probably awesome shit, man! Looking at this butthole right now. 
It is glaring. <laughs> How's that? They did a they did a great cover of uh, of uh, Hey Joe, but it was Hey yeah. Peter. Hey Joe, yeah, how's that? that butt around town? It's typo <laughs> negative. Uh, quick story about typo negative. I was watching them play live. It was in New Jersey somewhere. Uh, Obsessions, maybe if you ever heard of that club back in the day. Heard of it. And ty- typo was playing. And they played for 15 minutes this this fucking doom song, right? And I was standing there. I was like, holy shit. I never heard it before. I was like, is this new typo? It was like 1994, 93. I couldn't understand. He goes, that was Sunshine of Your Love by Cream. And I was like, holy fucking shit. They couldn't even tell, but it was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> they did an excellent cover of Summer Breeze by... Um, Seals and Croft. Yeah, yeah, they did an amazing cover of that. That's a great cover. Really good, dude. That's great, man. They did Day Tripper. They did a Beatles song, too. Yeah. All their covers are good, man. Great. Great Yeah, great band. I really got to go back and re-examine that stuff, because once I got into death metal and grindcore, I kind of, you know, I I don't even think I've ever given October Rust a a thorough listen, you know, because I was just... Well, that's the tragedy of this whole episode is that I've been so focused on blast beats and technicality and where's the yeah. breakdown and where's yes. the, that that I've I, like you said we got we all got to be patient. We have to develop patience as we grow older as men. Less beat metal yeah. is the way to, to get that patience. <clears throat> got a plus the original typo drummer was uh, Sal Abascado, who was in Life of Agony at the same time. Mm. So he was on the first Life of Agony album, that's cool. the great, the best life. You know, that's, that's when they were. I was watching them at Lamores all the time too. Uh, seeing them with Typo the same day, I think I did it one time. But uh, he also is in a band now. I think uh, a pale horse named Death. That's his new band, mm-hmm. and he's actually, I believe, the guitarist and vocalist. He doesn't play drums in that band. That's another so. band, Life of Agony, that I always. I mean, I get the association with the hardcore scene because of you know the shows they would play and the lineups they would play yeah. and the, the venues. But I, it was—it always perplexed me how how huge they were to people that listened to a lot of New York hardcore just because of the sound. I would listen to Life of Agony, just as a listener for the sound, not really knowing—you know—I have never saw them live. I was never around the scene or whatever. But their sound is more doom metal to me than hardcore. Definitely certain parts. The guitar player was a—you could hear a Sabbath influence in his riffs too. Yeah. And he was also a huge Metallica guy too. That's what he was known as. Uh, Metallica fan and the Sabbath guy, but you can hear some of that stuff in um, the beginning, the first song of Life of Agony's first album. Um, yeah, you know it's got that doomy riff in there. There's a lot of good doomy, doomy riffs. Yeah, from well, from that band. You, you mentioned Sabbath. The the one um, uh, last thing I did want to ask you about, get your hot take on uh, before we wrap it up, Rick, is something you've elaborated on for me in the past, and something that I really. I'm not an expert on as much as I love Ozzy era Black Sabbath is post Ozzy Black Sabbath and the different vocalists they had after that. You're 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 fairly up on some of that stuff, right? Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. You know, um, I'm not I'm not, I'm not very look. Tony Martin uh, put out some, some good records with Sabbath in, in the in the late mid to late '80s. E- Eternal Idol and then Tear T Y R, however you pronounce it, good albums, man. And uh, he came back after Dio came back for Dehumanizer in 92. That was Dio's return after they were going to do another album, then he quit again, and then Tony Martin came back. So, cross purposes album. Sabbath had a lot of good shit, but a lot of people, they don't want to hear about it. You know what I mean? They're, oh, it's only about Ozzy <laughs> and this and that. 
But you got you got Dio. He's one of the greatest metal vocalists in history. You know, oh, three yeah. fucking classic albums. That those those three albums he did. In, Dehumanized is one of my favorite doom metal albums, and that was an amazing record. Uh, that was '92. That was the comeback for with, with, with a Dio. But those records are better than most bands' best records, you know. And that's like their, that's like who does that after getting a new singer? And they went through a yeah. lot of singers. But it's, I, it's it's generally good shit. Yeah, I just I just heard uh, Heaven and Hell for the first time this past summer after being like a, a Sabbath Ozzy, you know, purist. Oh was man, fucking blown away. Yeah. I was like, this yeah, is fuck yeah, dude. Unfortunately, one of my big regrets in life, I had a ticket for Heaven and Hell when they they re like. Sabbath re, uh, reformed as Heaven and Hell in like 2006, put out a record with Dio on vocals, and uh, they played the show at um, Radio City Music Hall, and I had a ticket, and I lost the ticket, and for some reason I had an issue getting it another one somehow, and I couldn't go, and Dio died a year later, oh and they, they released that show on, on, you know, it was a big DVD, but amazing shit, dude, yeah. Yeah, Th- those three records, everyone should listen to Dio Sabbath. Ozzy Sabbath's good, man. Don't get me wrong, it's awesome. Well, yeah, that's, that's the Sabbath. thing about this conversation. No one's doing a this first, this, this, you know, what's yeah. better, what's... But but that's what I want to get at, as we talk so much about Ozzy era Black Sabbath. Me, myself, I know that era inside out, but, like, I picked up one, one time, I picked up on cassette, Born Again, right? Yeah, uh, Ray Gillen. Ray Gillen on vocals on that one. That album, now, I read about that album. Originally, it was the record company that made them call Black Sabbath. They right. didn't want to call it that, and I get why. It doesn't that sound happened like two a, times tonight. It doesn't really sound right. like a Black Sabbath album. What was the other time that happened? Um, Seventh Star. It was supposed to be a Tony Iommi solo uh, project, Seventh Star, and they made him call it Black Sabbath. So, so if you look uh, at the cover... It's Tony Iommi standing there, like in my head, I picture him in a field of flowers. I, I, I don't even know where he, he's standing there, like looking. Look that cover up right now. He's emotional. He's like looking into the distance, and it says uh, Black Sabbath featuring Tony Iommi on the album cover. It was just him, you know, and some dudes, and, yeah. and that's definitely like a pop kind of '80s. Like he wasn't writing those songs for Sabbath, but you yeah. know, if you're into like that kind of '80s, like. You know, whatever that was, for what it is, it's cool. He's Tony Iommi's a good songwriter. He's he awesome. is, guaranteed, yeah. yeah. And, and this yeah. album cover, he he doesn't even look like he wants to be on the album cover. They took that the photo called? during the conversation where they said it's got to be called Black Sabbath. Yeah, uh, seven star. Seven star. Black Sabbath. Oh, no, he's looking into the ca- I thought it was more looking to the horizon. Yeah, no, he's looking. Yeah. He's kind of just looking at the ground. Like, he, he right, looks right. like he's looking at a spittoon filled with cocaine. And he's just like, <laughs> I, get me out of here. I need to party. There's a song on there called No Stranger to Love. You know what I'm saying? Like band, like '80s love ballad bands were doing songs like that. Right. That's not hey. very Black Sabbath of a song. I love title. it. Oh my God! It's Black Sabbath featuring Tony Iommi. Yeah. Like it's yeah, never it's, been featuring yeah. him before. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just him. Last man standing. I, I, I saw I, Sabbath. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say something stupid. Like for every band I'm in from here on out, I will recreate this album art and just change it to him. <laughs> when I saw Sabbath. Uh, I, I, you know, go on these tangents here, but I saw them at the Roseland with Tiamat, who wow. put out Wild Honey in 90, 94, 93, 94. This was 94. And I got lucky, and, and Motorhead opened that. It was wow. Tiamat and Motorhead and Black Sabbath with Tony Shit. Martin on vocals. 
and I caught Lemmy's, I caught, um, Lemmy, I caught a Wurzel's pick, and I caught Tony Ioni's pick. That was awesome. Tiamat playing doom metal, you know, they changed after that. They, they were getting into the, that's another band that went Floyd, but really good, really good results after that. But, uh, you know, back in the day, they were a good doom band. I already mentioned them already. But that show was good. Then I saw them again at Roseland with uh, Motorhead again. And then I saw them with Ozzy at that last tour. Not, what, 2012 or something. And that was, you know, it was a little unfortunate. A little uh, unfortunate. Uh, and Ozzy, you know, it, it is what it is. Hey, man, the, the only time I ever was going to see Ozzy was at an Ozfest, I think in 2001, <laughs> which you previously mentioned at uh, PNC Bank that place down in uh right. in new jersey um they did not show up uh, or ozzy oh, wow. did not he got sick so i got i got the privilege of watching corn as a headliner oh, um, i was like i think i was like oh, yeah, 12 dude. when i went to this um that was the first time i saw boob because uh marilyn manson <laughs> had these ladies coming out of uh <laughs> he had these ladies coming out of what seemed to be a uh, jack-in-the-boxes and dancing around and uh, he's on the hot plate right now, so that's kind of funny. Full circle. Here we are back today, and yeah, Ma- uh, still listening to Doom. Marilyn Manson. Who would have thought that guy? Sex, yeah, right? Sexual abuse <laughs> charges. Crazy. Wait, really? Uh, yeah, he, alleg- yeah, allegedly. Yeah, alleged, yeah, the, yeah, yeah speaking Google of, uh, <laughs> he got alleged. He got alleged on. Yeah, he got. It's, he got me. Yeah, he as got well. alleged on, man. Yeah, it's it's in the news, man. It, look it up, man. Not, it's, but it's it's not too I, shocking when you when you hear about it. You know I mean, I mean that's what everyone's saying. It's kind of well. I, I mean, I re- I did read. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it was his autobiography. It might have been a biography uh, years ago. I read, it and it was yeah. It was like yeah, he's this he's comeback. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think anyone was surprised when they saw that one in their yeah. Twitter feed this morning. Maybe oh, it's just like God. maybe maybe they wake up and see something surprising, like you know, oh look what Cat Stevens did. He's getting me too. Then you'd be oh shit. But right now, <laughs> Cat Stevens. Oh shit. Ever Rachel Wood? Yeah, she was sick in Westworld yeah. though. <laughs> All right. Well, either what? way, um, we are still oh listening God. to some Doom. We're getting down yeah, on Ju- that. Justin, Justin is is just checking the news for the first time this year. <laughs> I discovered Mar- Marilyn Manson because he did the song for uh, SmackDown in the early 2000s. Yeah, he's oh, yeah. God. Who would have thought that guy? Um, so so to wrap up the the Sabbath talk, Rick, real <laughs> quick, top three, and I'm going to use this as a personal reference. Top three Black Sabbath post Ozzy Black Sabbath albums for people who don't listen to post Ozzy Black Sabbath and are ready to give it a shot. Well, right this down. for me, I'm just gonna, of course. I mean, it's it's for me, it's an easy answer. It's the three Dio albums. Oh boy, that's it, that's it. The three Dio uh, albums. What if I what if I want to give Tony Martin? What if I want to give Tony Martin a little shot? Cross Purposes was a good album, and the Eternal uh, the Eternal Idol that was a good album too. All right, this guy's driving the hard Dio line he's, right now. He, he's got it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, dude, this is the guy. Uh, he, 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 I, I'm, I'm lost for words over here. Uh, they replaced, they replaced uh, you know, a guy that was unhappy in the band. You could hear like the last uh, album with with Ozzy, which I liked, yeah. but it was definitely uh, veering off the rails there a little bit, from what they say. And then they bring in Dio, and it was just like ultimate uh, redemption. Can't but yeah, the, those three albums are my favorite. Probably my favorite Sabbath albums. So. Wow, can't be deal. I mean, I the first say... one of the first records I ever heard was uh, was Paranoid when I was six years old. So that, of course, leaves a, a impression on me. Of course, I just found my uh, my Black Sabbath box set 
I got it hiding over there. I just found it. Those is what I asked my parents for when I was like 13 or something. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Pretty fun shit. Can't go wrong. You can't go wrong, dude. That they're, they're legends for a reason. You know. I think Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, is probably my favorite Sabbath album. But... Yeah. It's, can't go wrong with that one, dude. Gotta give those Dio albums a shot. Um, and one more thing, Rick. Now, traditionally, when we do these type of episodes where we just talk about bands the whole time, we don't do our recommendations that you know that people know us to do at the end of the interviews. You know, the old and the new mm-hmm. album. Uh, but the tradition yep. is for me to spring one on everybody right at the last minute, behind Tom and Justin's back, double cross. Uh, I'm gonna spring a recommendation on everybody right now, and I maybe I'm mistaken, Rick. I thought we had a conversation. Um, are you aware of this band, Rotting Kingdom? Yes, uh, you, you yeah. recommended them to me, and I did check them uh, out on Bandcamp. Big surprise, cheating then. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fle- flexing all the way home uh, tonight on my recommendation. Well, because this is, I thought maybe uh, Rick. This is a. Uh, it's it says right on the um, sticker, Death Doom. Uh, and it is mm-hmm. a really good example of modern death doom, kind of a young up-and-coming band. I, I've talked about this on the podcast already, but I really enjoyed this uh, Rotting Kingdom three-song EP. Um, it's uh, like it's, it's it's everything that I love about death doom. It doesn't veer too far into the Sabbath territory. Uh, there's a lot of slow churning parts, but they do pick it up at times. There's dynamics. There's lead work. It's just a really beautiful release, man. I'm looking forward to see what they do with the album. But I want to talk about that Rotting Kingdom three-song EP real quick and kind of throw that in the conversation. I, I don't feel it was like too much of a double cross on the recommendation tip because it fits into the conversation. Yeah, shout out to their band photo on Metallum sunglasses all day. <laughs> Every band yes. member. Just like Rest. Monstrosity. Yeah, yeah man, like monstrosity. they're doing it. They're from Kentucky, so why not? It gets hot down there. Yeah, yeah, Kentucky too, man. It's not every day you hear about um, the metal scene down there in Kentucky. Uh, although, you know, there's there's metal scenes everywhere you go, man. So it's cool to see a band kind of breaking out from there and uh, getting a little more exposure, man. We're happy to give them the exposure. So I definitely would recommend Rotting Kingdom. Just an, another young, up-and-coming Death Doom band, uh, but they're, they're doing it very well. Hell yeah. I remember liking them, man. I, I'm... I guess I didn't. I'm looking through my uh, Bandcamp library. I guess I didn't purchase that EP, but I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out again. We'll, we'll edit that part out. <laughs> but I mean, you know. <laughs> so so Rick, you know, we had this long yeah. conversation. We talked about Chemist, Paul Bearer, uh, Bell Witch. Um, we're really I'm really glad we got all your input on all these classic. Uh, old school New York and New Jersey venues and shows and seeing all these bands. Um, you, you've been to a lot of shows that I didn't get to, that's for sure, man. Yeah, man. Uh, talk about Doom, you know, seeing I'm wearing this shirt, this Cathedral shirt. That's a band everyone's got to get into. Everyone's got to listen to Forest of Equilibrium, and the first album, and then after that, the first few albums are amazing. Cathedral, saw them with uh, Candiria in 96. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Early Candiria, and I caught uh, the singer. What was his name? Carly? Was that his name? Carly Coma. Carly Coma. He handed me their uh, seven inch at the time, which I had up until, of course, my faithful uh, flood lost all my vinyl. But that was an amazing show. That was at the Wetlands in New York City, Cathedral and uh, Candiria, and also this band called Demon Speed played. They were like a swing kind of doom. You remember when Swing had like a comeback in the, like the late ni- seven in the late nineties? 
Brian Setzer Orchestra, things yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was this I doom. Think. There was I don't know how to call them doom. They were doomy swing kind of really good shit, man. And that was an incredible show. And of course, Cathedral at the greatest show I was ever at. The first show that I ever went to when I got my driver's license, Merciful Fate, Cathedral, Anacrusis, who is amazing. Everyone's got a list to Anacrusis and Flotsam and Jetsam. It was a it was an incredible show, but Cathedral always brought that shit live, man. Hearing that shit in a in a small small club, crushing, crushing, dude. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so Cathedral definitely a band I, I think deserves to be part of the conversation and. Again, people can go back and listen to our first episode with uh, the Staten Island Don of Doom, Rick Abid, uh, where, you know, you, you really broke down for us that whole European thing with all those European bands from the 90s that started off more death metal and ended up doing all sorts of gothic and sludgy and, and keyboards and Depeche Mode and whatever, uh, mm-hmm. and then bringing it back the last few years, a lot of those bands, too, to, to more um, traditional, you know, where they started out from type of death doom. Um, and, you know, like I said, we, we went through Bell Witch, Chemist, Paul Bear. I recommended my weird, creepy bands from the tape collection. Um, and, 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 and Ricky gave us those typo negative and Black Sabbath stories. Um, before we leave off, guys, Tom, Justin, uh, uh, Justin, you brought you compared doom metal to fishing in a way that that I had like a, a lightning bulb, a, a light bulb above my head moment. And it all made yeah, sense. Man, it's all about I'm, patience. I'm, I'm excited to... Uh to kind of to, to work out this hypothesis in, in the warmer months with you, you know. And you got to uh, build your patience, yeah. Exactly. And also, you know, check out Ahab, uh, Call of the Wretched Sea. Uh, hmm. Really good record. Um, yeah. What are, what are you going to say? What are you, you going to say about it? <laughs> yeah, what Tom, what, Tom yeah, what are you going to say? You listen to it. I don't know. I did, I did already. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, and just to wrap it up on my end over here, um, I don't know. I'm I'm just excited to do more of these, and uh, I, I just want to say thanks again, Rick, to, for keeping us in line here. I'm, I'm no trying. problem. Man. I felt, thanks for having me on. Of course, man. Um, I, you know, I feel like I'm a bit over my head with a lot of this because there's so much. I feel like I'm I'm just learning. This is I'm always learning about the shit I listen to all the time, and then I'm getting into this now. And it's it's daunting, but it's pretty cool. This is a good change of pace for me. And I, I, uh... Yeah, man. Everyone, you know, I. It's not for everyone. There, you know, there's uh, there's people that are into uh, fast music that that can't they can't you know deal with it. So it's not for everybody. So it's cool that you know you sit down and maybe absorb some of the uh, more seminal releases and, and check things out. Uh, there's one one record I know Will just made a recommendation. I wanna I wanna make a recommendation too real quick, and it's a record I, I recently revisited for the first time in a long time. And uh, when I saw my dying bride, that infamous show, um, where I probably, you know, my that's why I forget a lot today. It's because of that night. Uh, I was talking with the vocalist Aaron from my dying bride before uh, they played, and I was you know we were shooting the shit about doom metal, right? So I'm talking to the singer from Bride about doom metal. It was awesome. Handing him our uh, first demo tape, it was embarrassing. I'm like, here, man, here's our demo tape. It's got a drum machine on it. <laughs> Fucking piece of garbage. So anyway, we're talking to him about uh, this band called Enchantment. They put out one record in 1994. In it's called Dance the Marble Naked. Listen to that album. Horrible vocals. 
right? It's it's death metal vocals, but he he reminds me of Anathema's first singer, who I wasn't never too huge on, but the music is fucking great. So Enchantment, Dance the Marble Naked, it just got a vinyl re-release last year. On Central Media. they're still available. Um, yeah, that was, and apparently they had a, that was the original release, and they had a, a, a long deal with those, with, with Central Media, and they broke up right after the first record. Huh. And they've never done anything since. And that's a sick, sick music on there. All right. Good yeah. shit, Go check this out. Oh, one thing, before you leave and we wrap this up, we, we should shout out, you, you have a... Uh, Grey Sky's Fallen is a relatively new album. It came out uh, in uh, January of last year. Yeah, so um, we're just under that. The, we're we're hitting that year threshold, and um, yeah, it just passed. It just passed. And I think yeah, and last then, time we had you on the show was over a year ago. So I just wanted to acknowledge that, and you know, just I think we plug it, we man. would we we were going into the studio uh, at that point, maybe a few months later, and. Uh, yeah, it, it's it came out really well, in my opinion. You know, it's my favorite album that we've done. It sounds great. We had Dan Swano mix and master it, and he, he, you know he's the man. Yeah, he's so awesome. it sounds it sounds amazing. Um, and uh, we put it out ourselves on CD. And right now it's going to get a, a cassette re-release, and also a CD, another CD release, uh, handled by uh, co-handled by Mike Zancelli and Paragon once again. Uh, but the cassette is coming out on Syruphead Recordings. Uh, John Santiago there, Will. Yep, know? yep. Uh, another so, former uh, guest of the show people go back and listen to uh, with Syruphead Recordings, gonna, John dude, Santiago. Good dude. Yeah, so he's going to put it out for us, you know, just to have it out there. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're writing the follow-up right now, but obviously with COVID and all, we haven't really been able to jam. So things are slow, but we got enough in the bank that we could pull some stuff together quickly, I think when we get back to it. And that's what all these bands are in. You know, Will, we haven't jammed, we got to jam once with Reeking Aura, and that was in uh, September, I believe, or October. And it's, that it's was tough. it, man. You know, we're, we're all spread out yeah. um, in different parts of New York, PA, New Jersey, between the different bands, and it's, yeah, it's been tough, man. And that album, that Grey Sky's Fallen album, Cold Dead Lands, uh, the latest album, yeah, highly recommended. Um, my favorite part is where I do a guest vocal appearance. That's right, I, man. Oh. I, that's the that's the only part that I listen to. I just play that part over and over. Just puts again. it on loop. No, uh, no, that's um, on, but, that... but yeah, seriously, highly recommended. Again, great death doom um, uh, members. If people are familiar with certain projects and not others, if you know Reeking Aura, a band that I'm in with Rick, and as we mentioned, Ryan Lipinski. Um, if people know Buckshot Facelift. Uh, Gray Skies Fallen is an adjacent band with uh, uh, Rick and some of our friends, uh, Tom Ander and, and, and Sal. And uh, and now uh, you also, what, what's the lineup situation right now? You want to talk about that? Well, well right now, like, like I said, we haven't really been active this year, the past year, just because of what's going on. But um, it's myself, of course, and uh, Tom. And Tom basically... When Tom came aboard, uh, right after I joined Buckshot, it, it pretty much revitalized everything. It was we were on, a, you know, I was on the, ready to stop it. So Tom kind of injected the life into it, and of course Sal, you know, <laughs> I met I, I met this guy when he was a little boy. He was like 16 or 17 at Five Towns College, you know, Five Towns College in uh, Dix Hills over there. And this kid, he's he's still around, and, you know, Sal. <laughs> We love him. We love yeah. him. So, but also in addition to Sal, we have our uh, our original guitar player, 
Joe D'Angelo, who yeah. you know started the band with me, and uh, it's been you know an interesting uh, history with us. It comes and goes, but it's all good. And uh, right now he's here, so we're we're writing some stuff, and it sounds really killer. It'll be our first uh, stuff with him in about 10, 12 years. And uh, also we had a third guitar going from when we were going to start playing live for the last album, but. That that's on on the shelf, but when we come back live, I like to have three guitars, pretty much like Reeking Aura has. You know, I feel yeah. like just you can do a lot a lot more with that stuff live. Well, you know, Rick, I, having you on, like tonight's episode, we kind of came up with the you know obviously Cody, uh, who left the voicemail from our Patreon, came up with the concept, and we've wanted to do this for a while, but um, we you know in the planning stages, we kind of got you in the mix. Uh, well, you know, on the on, on the cuff, I just texted you, you want to sit in on this episode, and I think it worked out very well. But we've been planning on having you back, uh, and we wanted to do a Grace Guys Fallen Proper History episode, because I want to get into the history of Grace. I, you know, the thing is, I've been friends with you, and, I, you know, I've known Sal even longer than I've known you, and just driving back and forth to rehearsals and shows, I've been privy to a lot of stories, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. So we want to get you back eventually to do a full-on Gray Skies Fallen historical interview and talk about all the ex-members, all the debauchery, all the allegedly. There's a lot of that, man. Yeah, yeah. all the nonsense. That'll be great, man. I'm and, definitely and, uh, looking forward to that. Yeah, and, sure. and I'm sure we'll get some more of your um, you know, old-school show stories from New York City along the way with that, too, man. So... Um, you know, we did, but again, you know, just just in short form, we want to encourage everybody to check out that latest Gray Skies Fallen album, Cold Dead Lands, and the, you could go on Bandcamp Thank and wherever you, else and explore the whole Gray Skies Fallen catalog. There's many releases. Yeah, we've been putting out records since '99. Uh, it was recorded in '98, the first album. So we've been doing it for a while, and unless you know, unless I'm overcome with paralysis, which I feel sometimes in my hands and my my arms, to pain when I play. I guess I'll be doing it for a while, even though yeah. sometimes I, you don't want to, you want to put an end to things. Sometimes you want to keep going on. So that's where it is right now. In all yeah. honesty. Yeah, Looking like forward my, to the future, um, though. My, Next my... year. Yeah, I'm sorry, my man. No, no, I'm, I'm, I was making a cheap, I was taking a cheap shot at Sal. I was, I was just saying, like, my, um, uh, my, you know, what do you call it? Um... My, my carpool to rehearsal with Sal. Sometimes you want to end it. Sometimes you want to cut it off. But I'm sorry, Rick. Go ahead. Oh man, just I, this Jimmy White stories. We'll talk about Jimmy White down the line and uh, the stories I would hear about the car rides with Jimmy White and Sal, talking about people stopping on the side of the Bell Parkway, getting ready to getting ready to walk home into Queens and Brooklyn and shit. You know what I mean? So yeah. craziness. This, we we might have to have you and Sal on. That might be the ultimate. Ever. That <laughs> might that might be a two-parter. Who knows? Well, uh, man, that kid, dude, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, well, save it, save it for next time. Save it for next time. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, so uh, Rick Habib, Gray Skies Full, and as we mentioned, people, followers of the show uh, should already know about Buckshot Facelift and Reeking Aura, the bands that I collaborate with Rick on, uh, with our bandmates, um, and also Gray Skies Fallen, We just talked it up. Go check that out. Um, check out all the bands we talked Thank about you, tonight. But have patience just like a good fishing trip uh you might have to wait a while for the magic to happen for the payoff you know the yeah. payoff's always good at the end yeah know? wait for the payoff but and yeah. shout to cody shout to all our uh, listeners and followers especially our supporters on patreon <laughs> you can go to heavyholepodcast.com uh and, and look for the links for all of our social media 
Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and Patreon if you want to support and get some bonus episodes. You can also get merch there. We got t-shirts. We got beautiful, uh, we got white t-shirts with the little black ink slapped on them with the little cute art and the logo. It's beautiful. Justin did it, not me. Um, It's it's great. We got uh, patches. um, Is that snapback? What is that, a snapback? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I am currently wearing um, a gift. Uh, from my friend Justin, who uh, took one of the patches that are on sale at heavyhillpodcast.com, yeah. and uh, he took he, he sewed it on what I assume to be some kind of um, thrift store find. It fits yeah. my head perfectly. Old old wrinkled head. It's wrinkled in the back. You wouldn't notice. Um, but yeah, uh, you throw these on the hat. Looks metal as fuck. Don't wait yeah. for the hat. Make your own hat. Maybe you got an old Marilyn Manson hat lying around. Put that yeah. <laughs> cover it, cover it up. Put the heavy hole. And also, you can check out Heavy oh, Hole. That's nice, man. What, what's our Bandcamp? Is it Heavy Hole Records Bandcamp? What's the what's, what should people check out? Oh, for this, that's uh, Dangerous Thing Bandcamp. Okay, so go to Dangerous Thing Bandcamp. Check out Dangerous Thing. That's a project. Uh, uh, how do you want to phrase it, Justin? Is it Justin and Tom? Is it Justin with Tom? Is it Justin Paulo and Tom? What are you guys doing over there? Yeah, it's all those things. And okay, so it's 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 every single one of those that you said for sure. And then um, you know, we're working on more music stuff within the heavy hole universe, as they say. And uh, yeah. when the next release is ready, uh, we'll we'll be directing everybody to Heavy Hole Records, uh, Bandcamp.com. Yeah, Heavy Hole Records. coming up. But for now, go to go to Dangerous Thing. And uh, Tom's got a project he's working on. I allegedly have some creepy noise stuff uh, that I'm working on, um, uh, inspired by black mayonnaise, maybe even. Uh, we we talked mm-hmm. to, uh, Rick about all your stuff. Rick, anything else that we um, neglected to mention or plug? Anything else you want to uh, uh, promote or anything else you got going on? Uh, you pretty much covered everything. I mean, we got a bunch of stuff we do together, so that's cool. You figure we got a whole full length written almost for the new Reeking Aura record. So yep. as soon as we can, we can get back to that. That's going to be awesome. I got to be honest. I think that. That band's a, a keeper, you know what I'm saying? I, I really like that. We're all excited. Really like yeah. I like that band, too. Yeah. And uh, also, uh, Tom and I have a, a this ambient instrumental project called Brave the Waters that we do once in a while, and um, we're going to probably do, do that as well as soon as, uh, as soon as we can. That's a project where Tom comes with these pre-written acoustic songs, and I smoke a lot of weed and sit there and record uh, <laughs> improvised guitar parts, and uh, then we put out a record. Allegedly, yeah. Led. yeah, and that's, yeah, that's, that's it, you know. uh, my 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 one of my best friends, Tom Anderer, uh, also from Buckshot Face. So just for clarification, not not Tom from the Heavy Hole. I I, I, right. I think that Tom Anderer has gotten more love on this podcast, and like his Anybody. name pop, pops up every time. Every time, like every three episodes, he shows up, <laughs> and it's always what up, Tom. It should be, it should yep. be every episode. You're right. We got to fix. That. Should have a should have a segment. Um, dedicated to just a, a story about Tom if you to make that, everyone feel good. Everyone will feel good about it. Heavyholepodcast.com slash Tom Andrew. Just go there if you're feeling lonely. You just need some yeah. love. If you just it's need gonna be a little a, hug. going to be a picture of Tom smiling. Yeah, well, we got, we should get, we, we're eventually going to get Tom on for his own episode. We talk behind the scenes to Tom. We have some ideas because um, he's got he's a he's a he's a, a a bit of a renaissance man there's a lot to tom but we're gonna get him on one day to talk it all out um but today uh, rick it was great having you on the show uh, hey, thanks for everything man Loved uh, of course it. man i love time. you brother uh, always yeah. great to talk to you and see you man um and that being said 
uh, I just want to remind um, we plugged we plugged the the Patreon, we plugged the website, we plugged the merch, we plugged the bands and everything else. I want to remind one more thing: when you're being patient with this doom metal out there, um, uh, uh, the album might have a uh, hundred and twenty-six minutes on it, uh, but you know how many songs it might even have? One. <laughs> 